0: So podcast Network listeners. Welcome right. inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Monday to Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT and joining me as always, as ever, is my partner Chad. Chad, how are you? What's going on? Still in the glow off
1: of a big softball victory tonight. So
0: I feel like you're uh, starting softball at the age like around when I wound down with softball, and it's making me a little bit jealous. Yeah. So, how's so, it going? Uh,
1: Well, it's going. Uh, It's a nice reminder that uh, I'm not as young as I once was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to quote Toby Keith. Um, But uh, first, first game, I ran full blast, stepped on the first baseman's foot, Uh, took took a nice tumble. All all I could hear, my ears were ringing. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I did the thing, you know, like you can't admit you're hurt, so I like popped right back up, like immediately, and then got to the dugout
0: and was in pain. Uh, but it is, uh, we well, I, now let me ask you this: Are you playing with people you know, or did you just join yeah, like a random team?
1: No, 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 it's people we know. So it's okay. a, I'm, a, I'm part of a church league, but it's people that I know. Okay. Um, well, we're we're represented by a church, but it's an open league. Uh, so tonight um <laughs> very uh underhandedly we kind of stole a victory which was uh maybe not the most uh, christian thing to do but the rule state uh official rule state we were not supposed to bat if there was 10 minutes or or less in the mm-hmm. timer of the game
0: you're the away and team or the home team we were the
1: away team okay yeah there was one minute left and we got the third out and then the guy sprinted into the dugout, grabbed a bat, and got in the batter's box with one minute left. And uh, the umpire was none the wiser, so let us hit. We were down four to three at that point. We scored two runs.
0: That is a low-scoring softball game.
1: Yeah, ended up winning five to four. This this field's huge. It's three hundred and eighty feet to Oof. dead center. Like it's a monster. Now is the home.
0: Does the home team get the bat if you get the bat or no? Yeah, yeah. They okay. got the bat. All so right. we held them. We held
1: them. All right.
0: Then but they can't complain. They got the bat. Yeah,
1: but it was a little unfair, too. Well, I mean, they probably should have. Not painted. really. They, did.
0: Well, they, or they Or they could have stalled getting off the field. They got to be aware. Yeah, I
1: guess. I don't know. There was also a couple of uh, illegal substitutions that we made that they did not realize. So, yeah. You got to be on the ball. It wasn't, it wasn't our finest moment, I would say, from an
0: ethical standpoint.
1: It didn't pass my audit, but we <laughs> won nonetheless.
0: Are you enjoying what position you've landed? Uh,
1: so a, a second base at some point. Wow. Yeah. Second base, I feel like, has been a pretty—because we have the net, uh, like the, the L shape that they pitch behind.
0: <laughs> With the old menus?
1: Yes. Uh, if you hit the net, it's an automatic out. Right. Yep. So, at second base, I don't feel like you get a lot of hot,
0: you know, heaters because there's
1: really not a lot of left-handed batters in the in
0: the league so far. See, maybe it's this league. I was in like, I was in a league that was it was one of the better in the state at that time, and I think it was like a, a real weekend warrior league with like guys that either played baseball for a while it it was like a lot of guys were shaving bats on teams and like they were clearly messed up and they would they would bat lefty to do you know to slap it up to the other side you know like it was like
2: well it was it
0: was not it was not something i want to continue because it was starting to feel like a little dangerous (laughs) like i'm like playing first base and some dude with a shaved bat juicing is gonna like smash a line drive in my face i'm like i'm all set i'm not gonna deal with that right now
1: Apparently the team that we played Thursday was like that. Had a couple of D1 guys and uh, one dude that was drafted. I didn't go to the game. I was at the Braves game, but I mean we lost 20 to nothing. So there you go. Like they called it early after three innings. So uh, they they're. I think there's a pretty wide discrepancy. I mean right. the like the two games we've lost, we've lost like 13 to two and 20 to nothing. And the two games we won was like eight to six, and now five to four. So there's about half the teams that are real good, and half the teams that aren't. We're in the not real good quarter, but I guess we're the best of the bottom at this point.
0: Well, it's good to be the best of something.
1: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fun. It's pretty fun.
0: It is fun. I do miss it. I think once I'm done with basketball, I'll transition back as my. See, plan I right feel now.
1: like. I mean. you know last year we had a couple of the pickup games of basketball at the same church that i went to and i actually feel like the basketball we only did have court but i feel like that wasn't as taxing as the baseball has been so far which i'm a little surprised by
0: yeah i think it's just different muscle you know yeah like you you haven't really probably swung a bat that consistently in forever. So it's what? like, yeah, you feel For it. Me it's been know.
1: chugging the bases because like, right. I'm sprinting. So I had to go first to third in our second game. And that was, I was sucking wind. I'm doing that some you were, place. you do,
0: you were doing five on
1: five basketball. All right.
0: It was
1: uh, either four on four or five on five.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: there just wasn't a lot of movement. Cause it was, yeah, so
0: we do three-on-three, three, which is
1: a lot. I mean, and I, I'm one of the taller, uh, of course, bigger guys, too. Right. So I was mainly banging the paint, too.
0: Right. Um, The one thing I'll just caution you of is... I remember I hurt my foot in softball because I stepped on the base funny running into first one time, and it it hurt me for, like, a year and a half. It was like a planetary thing i just like landed i'd step funny so just watch how you run on those bases
1: yeah i mean my knees still don't feel amazing after taking my fall but i'm okay one thing i don't like is you're out if you foul with two strikes i hate yeah that yeah i know you gotta yep it sucks because you, you start... really have to swing you have to swing with just crap we well, start with a one one
0: kick. yeah you start one one that's what gonna ask, yeah so. Um, the, my other piece of advice is that old man who recently underwent a major injury is to, just please stretch. I wish I did more often. Yeah. Um, now, in the days I play basketball, since I made my return, I stretch all day. Like even while I'm working, I'll get up between calls and just stre- I'll be stretching my calves and Achilles like all day on both legs. Um, it's very important. I think I would have probably knocked on her if I would have been better at stretching. So okay. keep at it. It's a tip for you youngsters out there including our guest tonight uh yeah. rare guest here chad we don't do guests often but when we do we get the heavy hitters uh here for us is my partner over on wwe war wrestling above replacement every other saturday here on north south connection he also is the host of final wrestling place with his buddy tim not the Toolman man taylor and uh i got to hang out with him this past weekend at some indie wrestling which was a lot of fun and that was my buddy and yours marcus fuller marcus how are you
3: uh, i'm doing great thanks guys for having me I'm super excited uh, that you guys, speaking of stretching, made room to fit me in, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about my all-time favorite Nitro. Mm. It's crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one thing we can say is that the show will never be a bore when you're here, Marcus. So why don't we go ahead and dive in oh my god. <laughs> on the god. 1996 episode of Monday Night Raw. Chad... Are we finally out of <laughs> uh, Wheeling, Wheeling that we've been we in are. for like 19 weeks?
1: Yeah, no, I think we were in Purgatory and Wheeling, but
0: we are out uh, to a f-
1: kind of familiar place for Wrestling Warzone. We're at the Hershey Park Arena in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, the host mm-hmm. of uh, In Your House Five. Mm hmm. Uh, do you want me to quickly run down how many pay-per-views each state has held up to?
0: The- <laughs> <laughs> you have to do all of them, please. Okay, <laughs> but if you can wait and do it at midnight, it'll be it'll be even better. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> That'd be my preference. All right, let's dive in. We open with stills of Razor Ramon and Diesel attacking Savio Vega at Mind Games. You get Jim Ross kind of bragging over it. He, I called it. Told you they'd be there. Uh, we get our opening animation, as always, and then we dive into the booth where our summer, uh, or sorry, fall season crew is with us, Kevin Kelly, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jim Ross. They're back for another taping cycle. Mr. Perfect comes to the ring as he's the special announcer for our opening match. And Pat Patterson is our referee because we are closing out the Intercontinental Title Tournament to crown a new champion. And that will feature Mark Merrow versus Farouk in the finals. The King uh, says there are a lot of upsets in sports this weekend, including Nebraska losing. And also, new tag team champions being crowned, and a new manager as well. And then, of course, is British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Uh, Chad, do you want sort to of know who Nebraska lost
3: to here? Is yeah, yeah.
0: I, I lo- well, I, I didn't know for sure, but I looked it up
1: um, today. Did you look it up? No, I did not. I okay. trust you
0: to do these things.
3: Yeah. They, uh,
1: so, I knew they'd won the national championship in 94 and 95. So, I figured it was a pretty big loss. They ended up losing to Arizona State. Nineteen to nothing. uh, And it was in Tempe. But um, it was kind of crazy. So, like, they won the national championship in 94 and 95. They were undefeated Mm -hmm. both those years. And 93... They were undefeated up till what was the de facto national championship game uh, versus Florida State. They lost to Florida State in that game.
0: I vaguely remember watching these like the Nebraska years because yeah, I remember just not understanding at all how they picked the champion. It was so confusing to me as a yeah. kid. Yeah.
1: So they only lost by two points in that game though. So in three years, they'd only lost one game, and that was the like national championship game by two points. So pretty stunning upset for them. Uh, they ended up. I looked this year, so in 96, uh, they end up going it was either 10-2 and two or 11-2. They also lose the Big 12 championship game to uh, Texas. Um, so, you know, I mean, still a good year. They finish sixth. And then 97, they share the national championship okay. with uh, Michigan. Yeah.
2: <sighs>
0: i think, I honestly think this is that is partially why i, I mean a big part of it is that there's really no local schools like big schools in college football around here but i think part of it too was how confusing it was as a kid to like follow along and exactly <laughs> what you said shared championships the last game wasn't always a championship game you know it was just like it was very convoluted
1: yeah me. that was the i mean to me the weirdest thing was even in the bcs era so, 97 was the second to last, like, co-national yeah. champion. 2003, with uh, USC and LSU, is the very last co-champion. But that's even weirder to me because that's when the BCS, that's in the BCS era. So, I don't like, know why, like, I don't know. It's kind of stupid. But in 2003, 2004, because 2004, uh, like, there's only only recognized that USC was the national champion um but that kind of sucks because auburn went undefeated in 2004 and didn't mm-hmm. even play for it so they went undefeated in the sec and didn't even play wasn't for that New partially SEC. what yeah. kind
0: of spurred the tournament like i remember that uh
1: i mean it was still 10 years after that yeah i think like the did.
0: conversation started you know i mean like it started to heat up was that conversation lasted for a while
1: yeah that- i mean there was always like problems with the computers and whatnot um I mean, I'd, I would say, but, I mean, I, I to me, like, if you ask me, like, what the golden era of uh, college football is, it is that early 2000s era. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nebraska is rocking right now. But, I mean, Nebraska is one of them teams now that it, it shows where college football is now because they just can't recruit right at the level to get to be competitive with the big boys, at least
0: consistently. So, there you go. All right, well, there's your uh, Campus Hot Takes for the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Dive into our match. Uh, and a pretty cool touch is a tombstone in the aisle, hyping the buried Alive match in your yeah. house. So that'll be there for the whole taping, uh, featuring the vestiges of Undertaker of Mankind. Then we get to the ring, Mark Merrow challenging Farouk, who's led out by Sonny. I shouldn't say challenge, taking on Farouk. Title Opportunity's been pretty much on Farouk's platter since he injured Ahmed. So, like, this has been a long time in the coming for him to get this title match. Kevin Kelly's hyping up uh, in your house already. Mr. Perfect gets in the booth, lends his predictions, says he's working with Mero. He's the only person that was willing to take his advice about what it means to be an IC champion. So he feels good about it. Mero and Sable get a good pop. Kelly reminds us that Farouk is undefeated. And is the reason this tournament's even happening, because he injured Ahmed Johnson. Farouk attacks at the bell and keeps slugging away. JR reminds us we're alive and anything can happen. Mark Merrill comes back with a head scissors takeover to Sunset Flip for one. But Farouk takes him down with an impressive enziguri. Kevin talks about the guns losing their tag titles and Sonny firing them. Farouk kicks away but misses a charge and Merrow gets a flurry and knocks him to the floor, meets him with a somersault plancha, which Kevin actually calls accurately. Back inside, he a top rope Merrow salt for one. Farouk backdrops Merrow outside on a charge, as Perfect reminds us about his talk with Merrow. Farouk clobbers Merrow with heavy strikes, drives him off the apron to the railing. Ahmed calls in and calls Kevin Vince. So I don't know if this was like, one of those ones where he's not really on the phone and it's kind of pre-taped or what, or he just fucked up. Uh, Farouk is targeting the lower back. Ahmed says he's feeling better. He'll be back soon and wishes Mero good luck. Farouk gets two on a power slam as King trolls Ahmed about getting a kidney transplant from Jake the Snake uh, until Ahmed rants and Kevin just cuts him off. Farouk walks to, to the middle rope with Merrow on his back, and it's a Samoan drop for two and a very slow count for Patterson, but it was a very cool-looking spot. Sonny chokes at Merrow and Patterson throws her out to booze. After break, uh, Merrow gets a backslide for two, but Farouk comes back with a chin lock, blocks a comeback with a knee, but Merrow sneaks in a sunset flip for two. Farouk goes back to the chin lock, as Jim Ross says. We will see Razor, Ramon, and Diesel tonight, and also tonight we're going to expose Jeff Jarrett. And King says, basically, he's tired of all the bullshit. He says, look, JR, like, enough of your crap. Like, none of this stuff is real. And JR stands by his information. Merrow comes back with a flying clothesline. Farouk slams him and controls again. Heads up top. Merrow crotches him, slugs away, takes him down the top rope, her and Karana. For two, Sunny comes back out with a purse. Sable comes over and gets in her face. Patterson deals with them as they start slapping, which allows Farouk to grab the purse. Merrow ducks a swing, smashes Farouk with it, and then finishes him off with the shooting star press to a big pop. Sunny reveals there was a brick in her purse, and she throws it under the ring. Uh, pretty good match. It was well-worked. It was energetic, mixed in some different and unique offense. I thought it was one of Merrow's better showings. He's someone we've been critical of along the way here on the show. And Farouk looked really good, too. Just a fun battle. It was well-developed. Uh, Sonny screws up again, and now is titleless after the last two nights. And Merrow suddenly finds himself a gold and a chance to reset himself. And I would say Farouk probably is due for a change already. He even if <laughs> have just been it for two months, already feels kind of lost now that he's lost this match. And we're in this stupid gear. Uh, so Chad went three and a quarter. Uh, this is a pretty good match. One of the better ones you've probably seen our Raw in a little bit here. And uh, definitely one of Merrow's better outings. All right. I went three stars here.
1: Uh, I wanted to do an audit because I, another audit. Uh, <laughs> a lot of auditing I, tonight. Yeah, a lot of auditing tonight. When uh, Ahmed calls in, I couldn't decipher whether he called him Vince or Baby, so I got it queued up. Let's okay. give one more listen.
0: I thought it was Vince.
1: Yeah, I did too, and then I listened at it a couple more times and couldn't clarify, so here we go. You
0: there. I'm right here, baby. Ahmed. Ah, uh, now it does sound like <laughs> baby.
1: Yeah, I'm right about I heard baby. So, there we go. So because I, I did I did when I first heard that, I was like, did you can just call him Vince. I was like, what the because he he, uh, he calls King Baby.
0: All um, right, it must be baby. I it mean. sounded like Vince the first time
1: to so. me.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so we cleared that up. <laughs> uh huge nitro sucks sign front and center right as the match starts. Um, this is the first televised match between these two singles, um, which is kind of interesting. I mm. mean, they were in WCW pretty much at the same time, Uh they did do a dry run of this match, both on a house show two nights before this show. And then, uh, as a dark match at in your house mind games, but, but overall, I thought, I thought it was probably some of the better marrow stuff that we'd seen in a while, um, he seemed pretty energetic. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is going to be petty. Okay. This, so Farouk, I think I enjoy his matches less than I should, because when I take notes for his matches, I hate typing out Farouk. <laughs> so I end up just saying else. That's <laughs> I what I have. I have, I have a miss F. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, spelling Farouk, uh, it, it drives me crazy. Um, anyway uh, the I thought the double rope Samoan drop looked good. Patterson is referee very slow counts mm-hmm. uh, kind of messed with the timing a little bit. also didn't think perfect did much on
0: commentary here I, I don't it was I don't, almost like he wasn't even a commentary. it was like he was there to like just observe the match
1: yeah and then, then like, a ringside they they like send him out as like he's the one that presents the IC belt at the end. Right. So I, I don't know. It was, it was just a little odd placement there. Um, finish I thought was not bad. Um, you know, with Sunny and Sable uh, intervening, uh, kind of this may be our—is this our first "quote unquote" cat fight? Do we consider Sunny and Cloudy? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I would say this is our first. <laughs> yeah. Not going to get to gender identities yeah. in 1996, but yeah, this, was, this, is uh... this is likely our first.
1: This was the first one that got king horny for sure because he was, oh, you know, a very early 96 uh, horn dog king as they started going after it. Um, Wild Thing looked good. I mean, he got a good pop for the mm-hmm. win. So, uh, I mean, a fun match, three stars. We hadn't had many what I'd call good matches on Raw in a while. Do kind of question the booking a little bit. Um, it really felt like this, in some way stalls Farouk's momentum a bit. Um, I mean, you can kind of retcon it by saying Sonny cost him. But, yeah, well, uh, I think
0: we'll see over the coming weeks, like, these both lead to things directly. So I, okay. think, I think it was the goal was to just get him away from Sonny and into something different. I think they realized it probably wasn't going to work. Yeah, that and was a then, pretty
1: quick uh, departure. Yeah, today. well, I
0: think injuring Ahmed really threw a wrench in. And then I think also they, they knew Ahmed would be back, and I think they were just going to focus on that. But right. um, I also think they have other stuff planned for Mero, where he needs to be champion to get something else going later this month. So
1: Okay. So three stars for me. Good match. Uh, kind of a fitting conclusion to the tournament.
3: Marcus? Uh, I went three and a quarter. Um it feels like, at least to me, any match with the pulse that WWF is putting on is thanks to the, I guess, the rejects fuel from WCW. Um, <laughs> yes. And yeah, I was just really surprised, like you said, that this is basically Johnny B. Badd versus Ron Simmons. And I probably wouldn't expect them to have a three and a quarter star in WCW. You know, Simmons, I think, towards the end in WCW kind of looked a little beat. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Badd can be a little bit hit or miss depending on, uh, you know, if he's having a 25 minute opener or not. <laughs> for no reason. So yeah, I, th- I thought this was enjoyable. Um, I thought the the second rope smell and drop was pretty dope considering the time that this, you know, 1996, I think that's a pretty big move. And, uh, you know, it, when Farouk is down and Johnny B. bad, or excuse me, when uh Mark Merrow, wild man, Mark Merrow goes to the top rope, uh, Jr gets like all the way horned up <laughs> 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 going for the wild thing. Um, So, yeah, uh, I I like to finish with uh, the purse and I was surprised. Um, It's always cool to to learn something new, you know, 25 years later, because I definitely would have thought that this was the main event to this Raw. Mm. So when they opened, I thought, okay, are they going to do like an angle and like do the match later on the show? But no, it it, it went down uh, as the opener. So that was a cool surprise.
0: We got bigger things cooking for the main event.
3: (laughs) All right. Ross and perfect
0: top in the ring for the big celebration. Mero thanks Jesus, his fans, his lover Sable, which is kind of the first time they admit that. Like it's kind of just been like she's his valet that he saved from Triple H. I think like they never really said straight up, like are banging uh but they are apparently and uh mr perfect he thanks for all the info king says he should thank that brick too jr says what about me and mara says you're a good guy too jim uh good moment I it was well done it'd be interesting where things go with maro and perfect and it's just again kind of pushing ross feeling completely unloved by everyone right now uh and out on his own on a limb and he knows me there you on this uh, little segment no, nah, I mean, it was a
1: fine kind of a celebratory interview, but not much more.
3: Yeah, I was just waiting for him to say that he was going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it felt it felt very cookie cutter yeah. uh, to try to get mirror over over as a uh, top baby face. Are right, we going to shout a shot of razor, and Diesel locker room? Uh, I love too how
0: like, I don't know, it maybe it's just the OCD in me, but like they just slap the names razor diesel like it's. Wouldn't it just be like Razor Ramon or Ramon? I don't know. Just, just like the fact that just calling him Razor it feels lazy to me. <laughs> uh, so we get shots of the locker room. When we go back to In Your House 2 last July to watch Shawn Michaels defeating Jeff Jarrett for the Incarnel title after screw, job, uh, screw Up by the roadie. Uh, and as well as the music video for his hit song With My Baby Tonight. And Kevin says, did Jeff Jarrett even really sing that song? And tonight they will expose Double J. So we get that to look forward to. We then get a rundown of the new fall season uh, of the WF. We have Blast Off on WGN, Saturdays at 9 a.m. We have Live Wire on USA, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Challenge, syndicated over the weekend locally. Superstars, USA Sundays at 11 a.m. And then Raw on USA at 8.57 p.m. Any any feels on this uh, fall season lineup?
1: Uh, I mean, we talked about it, I think, on our last Raw Nitro episode. But, um, I mean, the sh- the switch to live wire is interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I guess we'll still continue to try to track to see now that superstars is, uh, there's like on USA or whatever, like yep. whether, um, there's any big time angles or any developments that happen on. That.
0: I think, I think we get a little dead cat bounce, um, on superstars on USA, like, I feel like through the fall and in a little bit into 97, they do some stuff and then it finally goes away. But like, there is some stuff that happens this fall on superstars, like some decent sized stuff. So I think they were trying to resuscitate it a bit with the USA move. I remember feeling it became must watch again for me as a kid. Like, I think (laughs) I had fallen out of it a little bit on Mm -hmm. syndicated, like in 96, but I remember it suddenly felt like, okay, it's like a bigger show now that, doing it this way
3: and did you say they had moved to sundays yes uh, for yep. superstars yep. so i was bummed out about that because uh growing up in a christian household sunday mm-hmm. morning was obviously yeah, uh a non-negotiable so uh and i didn't have a uh a, a vcr to record it um uh, or with recording capability so i was uh, i was out of luck then no i think
0: uh, well i think it aired, it aired at 11 right so i feel like i used to push to go to like 10 a.m. mass if we could get our shit together and get out the door yeah, yeah. and then be home in time. So our church was only like less than 10 minutes away, so we could make 10 a.m. mass and be back for superstars. Or we were like a Saturday night family lot too if we didn't have plans, so we'd go Saturdays at five and then not have to go on Sunday.
2: Okay,
0: uh, so. yeah, no,
1: no superstars, no, uh,
0: no sports reporters, tough times. <laughs> Uh, all right, backstage Doc Hendricks is live at the oh. back- Mark Barrow Championship Celebration. All the faces wow. and uh showing off the belt. We then get our big expose is Vince Man. Wait, Gary? wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about
1: how lame this championship right. celebration right, was. <laughs> I mean, it was just like the biggest collection of loser faces. You had <laughs> The God ones. Savio, Hillbilly Jim, Barry Horwich, Freddie Joe Floyd, Bob Holly, um, really showed like the roster is pretty thin still, like I mean they got some dudes, but when you strip away like taker, Sean, Brett, like your big faces, it's uh it's a little skimpy up top if this is your big grand face celebration.
3: so. Far cry from Andre, the giant pouring champagne on the whole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: no, Bob Holly giving him the uh,
3: well, sadly it's
0: Mero's biggest moment. So yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: all
0: right. It's time for a big expose. Vince McMahon narrates us through the revelation <laughs> that Jeff Jarrett may not have saying with my baby tonight. We get mm-hmm. clips from in your house too, where he performed live on stage later that night, lost his belt to Michaels. Vince gets all his shots in says Nashville rejected him. He was the country's he was country music's Millie Vanilli. Vince says Jeff Jarrett never sang or recorded the song. It was clearly lip-synced, and that night he was going to be exposed. But instead of being exposed, he walked out of the company. Next week, the man who was ripped off by Jarrett and really sang the song will be revealed as the real Double J. What
3: you think of this, Marcus? <sighs> Try as they may, Double J is uh, <laughs> wrestling's <laughs> Teflon man. Um, I, I don't, as a kid, I was like, I I saw him perform it and I did not think he was lip syncing at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I was like, what are they trying to pull over me? Like retroactively go back and be like, ah, see, like, we're gonna, we're gonna really show you what really happened. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I saw it actually happen and he was rather good.
0: Yeah. It's this weird, like obsession with i don't know I, it's just an odd attack that they're trying to do between hall the razor diesel Jarrett like having the all ver, all reality versions of these characters i don't know maybe they were ahead of the game with, with the multiverse stuff but they're like <laughs> trying to i guess their angle you I mean, I know we talked a little bit chat i guess the angle is trying to show that they made these characters and not the workers that they could take anyone and put them in these gimmicks is that's kind of what we hear later yeah um I think this one's a little more tolerable than the razor diesel stuff. Cause this actually has an angle and like realistic footage. And like the guy who gets revealed actually has a, a legit bitch, right? Like he did sing the song. So uh, maybe he's the one that should have gotten the credit. And I think they do fade off like the real double J thing. Not, you know, I don't think that hangs too long. So uh, to me, this one's a little bit more tolerable than the razor diesel shit.
1: I'm, think? Yeah. I'm interested to see, um, how it goes because my main gripe on this again is kind of just like the it's a victim of circumstance but i mean we've done this podcast now for four calendar years and we've had some breaks but yeah you know like we we didn't cover in your house too so right. i mean even in real time they're talking about something that happened 14 months ago It's, you know, who, who cares? Like, well, you know, it took him this long to figure out he was lip syncing. And (laughs) now like Jesse James has a gripe with it. uh, Timing wise, like, I mean, you know why they're doing it, but it still just feels like petty instead of cutting edge. So I was not, I was not a fan of uh, much of this. So I'll I'll see how it develops. But as a first uh, as an expose, it didn't, you know, (laughs) get me like, oh,
0: that S.O.P. double J. Right, right. Can't believe it. So It's an odd time. They got so Mm -hmm. much good stuff like possible and like they're focusing on this nonsense. It's, It's like completely ignoring the quality you could potentially be having for this petty bullshit to try to get into.
1: Yeah, this we'll get to it like this show. It's an this is an interesting show to watch
0: because there's
1: seeds planted Mm -hmm. for good stuff and you're seeing better you know quality wrestlers get positions positioning but they're still like they haven't found it yet booking wise for sure so there's still some growing pains that's gonna happen for
0: that. All right, back to the ring we go. As the body don is, we'll take on our brand new tag team champions, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. The King, uh, loyal to his Memphis ties to the end here. He defends Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) This is Jim Ross, shuts him down. The (laughs) new champs head out, the new manager, Clarence Mason. Ross reminds us how Sonny now has no more gold. Mason hops in the booth and we get stills of Mason taking advantage of the loopy Jim Cornette back in mind games where he had Cornette sign some power of attorney paperwork to turn over the contracts to him. Bulldog and Owen. Ross and Kevin accuse Mason of fraud and Mason just loses it on them. Uh, but King defends him. <laughs> Owen and Zip trade some offense with Zip controlling the arm. We get a loud ECW chant and the crowd is suddenly distracted as in the, uh, by someone in the crowd as Taz shows up with a Sabu fears Taz sign. Uh, JR immediately goes into defense mode, uh, says they're a local outfit. They wrestle in a bingo hall. They're trying to get their 50 minutes of fame. Uh, and then we cut the break. We, have, we come back, Taz is gone, but the crowd is still chanting for Taz. JR is getting more and more bitter as King is calling him out over Ramon and Diesel. The match is basically getting ignored. There's so much chaos going on. Cornette joins us in the back. He wants an apology from from the peanut-headed shyster for swaggling <laughs> him out of his team. And you, somewhere I feel like that that word sunk into Vince's subconscious to come out <laughs> no. Yeah. decade later uh he will get him disbarred and get revenge on jose lothario next week because he will be teaming with vader to take on Shawn michaels and jose uh this match is very flat and i feel like it could have been good but just no one wants to pay attention at all zip gets a, a tepid tag uh clean's house as mason wants Cornette to pay pay him to even up nice spot as the challengers uh, for the challengers as zip backdrop skip outside into bulldog JR says us Savio Vega will take on, I guess, his old friend. I don't know <laughs> what you want to call it Razor Ramon next week. Uh, Owen survives a rocket launcher, but Bulldog kicks Skip from behind, and Owen finishes him with the sharpshooter. There's nothing doing here. A completely uh, toast defense by the new champions against the flailing body donors, they just got nothing going on and are, are done soon. Uh, I was actually surprised they popped up. Like, I thought they were gone at SummerSlam. So I would think this is probably the last taping. It's Candido's in ECW, like. Really around here, not not too far after. So, this is gonna be, I would think, possibly the last taping. Uh, in another world, maybe this is a banger where it's Doctor Tom Pritchard or Chris Candido gets Bulldog and Owen. But they just had no chance at all. They they never had an opportunity to do anything here tonight with all the chaos going around them. And this has been one of the things with the live shows, Chad. We talked about like there's a lot more energy and shit happening, and the crowd's alive. But it also leads to like they're cramming a shit ton into these. Uh, live episodes and it, it hurts the matches sometimes uh, yeah. so i want to start a half it was kind of whatever
1: uh two stars for me um oh, look at you i mean it break, was breaking the I, bank for the cedar I, well i mean i thought in <laughs> ring it was fine i i feel bad for the body donna's because i like both of the guys as workers mm-hmm. and i honestly don't know if i've seen uh less over baby faces oh my god than just them i water. mean they yeah they get zero reaction like not even go away heated it's just nothing every time we've seen them since they've turned uh the ecw stuff i thought was i i, I go back and forth on how it was done here i liked it at in your house um mm. It was very frantic here. Um like like you barely even knew it was Taz. Like I mean it was quick. They didn't It show felt them like they and...
0: did this one more for ECW's sake. Like because on ECW TV and we talked about this, Extreme Rules danced every other Thursday with this show rotating um they they show this like fan cam view of it. Okay. And they hype it big time as like Taz being a raw and everything. They show clips of like the whole weekend and they highlight like all the stuff. So this right. one felt like it was almost for ECW to trumpet and get the crowd revved up. Um, maybe it's just like a, a soft deal with, OK, you could do it, but we're not going to focus on it kind of thing.
1: OK, um, this is probably... Maybe the only time in television history that two primetime shows uh, had Peanut Head mentioned right. yeah. <laughs> at the same time as uh, you had here between Teddy Long and Clarence Mason. Uh, Clarence Mason's facial reaction uh, after Cornette cuts his promo on him, I thought was really funny. Um, actually, kind of enjoying that feud between mm. them
0: two i don't know i mean it's i think can both talk and at like a high level so. yeah
1: i mean it's definitely like memphis stuff but right. it's 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 fine um in ring like i said in ring wise this was fine it was just bad heat and uh there was definitely some kind of uh adhd type booking with a lot of other moving parts and stuff they wanted to focus on more so really the match just served to uh of Bulldog and Owen to defense and then to further the storylines of everything else that was going on
0: and this is the last appearance for Skip uh, yeah. they're supposed to fight the smoking guns on the 25th and Danville and the Grim twins sub for them which is the Harris brothers yeah uh, I, I still say I mean we'll, we'll have to
1: track you uh, covering him in ECW uh-huh. I still say he's definitely was in the wrong promotion in WWF. like he should have been in
0: wcw oh uh, well he's been great in ecw like yeah i mean you know even into winter early 97 and he's he's been super fun and uh charismatic and great in the ring it's it's like night and day this also yeah. zips last tv match or last match overall i thought like he stuck around and did some stuff but i guess not he must have mm-hmm. transitioned backstage at this point so
1: who probably also <laughs> should be in wcw so right right yeah
0: you can at least see him being around though with like the hopper gang and all those guys and like Mm -hmm. train and stuff. Skip is like too young and talented to be like saddled in this bullshit. You know, Dr. Tom's at least kind of on the back nine at this point. Right. What'd you think of the match, Marcus?
3: Um, I went to, it it was fine, but I mean, the match was really just a backdrop to get all these angles over ECW, Clarence Mason and, uh, Jim Cornette. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty cool uh seeing bulldog and i went take turns flipping off the crowd it was kind of subtle <laughs> in the background <laughs> but i was like whoa was not expecting that at this point in uh, early fall 1996 and as a side note uh, i'm a huge family guy uh, fan and this season family guy introduced a new character called brick baker and he is a uh, fast drive talking lawyer and i swear somebody there had to have seen clarence mason as a child because um or Jackie much Childs team. on Seinfeld, who is No, they're, Mason
0: basically. They're, they're
1: following the podcast. That's what happened.
3: Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely what happened. You up. still watch
0: <laughs> Family Guy now?
3: Yeah, I do. Yeah. How was it? It's great.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I was a diehard, <clears throat> I, but it's been probably almost 10 or 11 years since I've watched Live. But no, I have that's... all the original, <laughs> that's a call, cool, Scott. I got all the DVDs, um, <laughs> the comic shirts. No, but I was like. I watched the premiere live after the Super Bowl, yeah. And the first season, then they got canceled. And uh, my buddy Adam, who does the NBA team with Andrew reach on the Pop Experience, he ordered the tapes on like eBay or whatever. Someone had taped them all, and we had like copies of the VHS on just like dubbed VHS shit quality uh, until Fox brought them back. But I was all in. I mean, I, I used to watch it live, and then the reairs at night. Like that was my bedtime routine Seinfeld and Family Guy every night, 11, 1130. Um, so that's good. I may have to catch up some day. I mean, I, I was a huge fan, huge fan.
3: It's, it's a little bit of a smarter show now, uh, now that they've uh, definitely cleaned up their act. It's like, it's kind of like 2000 WWF where it's like, <laughs> well, we had to really uh, uh, back off of a lot of the envelope pushing uh, right. inappropriate material uh, from, you know, the last couple seasons. But yeah, I'm still a Family Guy fan.
0: That's a crazy run considering they got canceled season one.
3: They're <laughs> almost like the Jeff Jarrett of uh, animated <laughs>
0: television shows. Two and three quarter stars. <laughs> All right, we get stills from Mind Games uh, highlighting last night's awesome main event. We also find out Sid and Vader will wrestle in your house. And Undertaker then joins us live from a graveyard. He talks about the scars of betrayal that he'll carry for eternity. Last night, Mankind and Paul Bearer witnessed that Undertaker is a master of mind games, and he condemns mankind to damnation and will bury him alive. Kevin reminds us the Buried Alive match is unsanctioned. It will happen on October 20th. JR says a real cemetery is being built, and tickets are still available. Uh, Marcus, any notes on this little flurry?
3: Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um it's. I guess it's a little odd that tickets are still available, but um, it feels a lot closer maybe than what it actually is. Like it, I, I felt like the way they were pushing it, like it's almost a go home show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really trying to push the
1: tickets. So we must. Uh, I need to. I'll try to read the meltzers to see if he has any
0: mention because I mentioned that a couple times. All right, Doc Hendricks. He's back. He's outside Razor and Diesel's locker room, but he can't get in. We see the back of Razor slams the door. JR says, Doc is out of his league, and he'll talk to them live. He guarantees it tonight. We then get our PlayStation Slam of the Week, which is Mankind and Michael's going through the table last night at Mind Games. Ross, Kevin, and King then reset. And, gentlemen, I will be honest with you, this is one of my favorite (laughs) stretches of Raw of all time. Uh, Oh, boy. The Steve
2: Austin
0: Austin commentary in this match is... is some of my favorite stuff like i quoted this i watched this a million times (laughs) he is such a prick and it's so good it was you have to picture it Joe. because like at this time no one else was doing this shit on ftv besides him and maybe like pillman it would come out and do this kind of stuff so when you're watching this fucking dreck week after week and all of a sudden in comes steve austin And he looks aggravated, like, (laughs) within seconds, he's pissed off. And he tells Kevin immediately to shut up. Uh, King shows off his artwork on some new comedy magazine and says he's a better artist than Bret Hart. And Austin says, well, I'm a better wrestler than Bret Hart. And I spit on the life, the career of the family of Bret Hart. And his parents should have practiced safe sex 30 years ago, and he wouldn't have to be dealing with this now. And he feels like a guy that has the weight of the world on his shoulders, Like, no one is asking him to eliminate Bret Hart, but he's acting like it's such an inconvenience that Bret Hart lives and exists as a person that he now has to take him out. Um, I just love how pissed he looks as soon as he sits down. He just already looks annoyed, and it only gets better. Uh, But any, any initial thoughts before we get to the match here?
1: It was good um I feel like I'm getting punked with this being <laughs> one of your favorite raw segments of all time and <laughs> Marcus saying it's his favorite Nitro of all time <laughs> coming up but uh yeah I mean like Austin has an edge to him like you know like perfect was nothing on commentary and Mason was fine but more corny so Having somebody like Austin, this isn't the first time he's been on commentary either, and he's been very good before. Mm -hmm. Um, He definitely personifies like an edge that is uh, unique and intriguing.
0: I was so excited when it came up. Uh, All right, so our match is Hunter Hurst-Helmsley taking on the Stalker. Uh, Hunter's out with his dime of the week. Austin says, one way or another, he's going to get a reaction out of the Hitman. Even if he has to fly to Calgary and beat up Stu with throw rocks at his windows, <laughs> Austin is just all in on this feud. You could tell, like, he's finally getting his chance. Yeah, he knew it was his chance. Like, I this is it. Like, he's going to yep. make it count. Yep. Uh, JR reminds us of Mr. Perfect's in the building, so Hunter should watch his back. Out comes the stalker. Uh, Austin shits on all the fans supporting him. Uh, we get a basic start. Stalker flipping Hunter around, working the arm. JR runs down the upcoming local events, including this Sunday at MSG. Uh, Every time Kevin goes to talk, Austin just tells him to shut up. Uh, He says he's going to whip Hart's ass anywhere he wants, and then he threatens to beat up Kevin after King calls him a fat ass. Uh, All stalker here working on the arm. Just some various strikes and slams. This is some of my favorite King stuff every week, too. Like, when you get a heel in the boot that he can feed off of, and he just goes over the top shitting on everyone. Because he knows he's got backup. Uh, Hunter comes back with some strikes, and Stalker takes right back over. JR just basically says, I hope this match ends so we can have a lot of time to talk to Razor and Diesel. they got a lot to say. He's already done with this fucking match. Austin turns things right back to Brett. He wants to know why he won't show up if he's so great, and King is just feeding him. Austin says it's become personal. He wants to prove how good he is sooner or later. Alco's Mr. perfect. The Stalker's punching. He misses a very slow charge to the corner. Very, very slow. Uh, you know chad you look like ricky Henderson around on those bases compared to the <laughs> stalker's charge in the corner uh, he crumples yeah. to the ground hunter is frustrated with uh with everything going on but stalker sneaks back in gets a back suplex It was to go to break doc is uh, on the superstar line we can call to find out why diesel and razor attack Salvio vega if we want <laughs> after the break hunter is still drawing the perfect allows stalker to hammer away Hunter goes to the eyes and kicks away as we get some of the action from the break, including a stalker DDT Hunter cranks out a chin lock. And is getting so antsy. He just wants this match done. He said he promised Razor and diesel time to talk. Everyone wants to hear it. Soccer breaks a chin lock on the jawbreaker. And Austin goes off. He says, if, if Hunter wasn't so distracted by perfect and the chick at ringside, this wouldn't be happening. And then in my favorite bit of all time, he goes in on the stalker. As far as Barry Windham's concerned, The stalker, why does he have all this paint on his face? I know who he is. Everyone knows who he is. Is he embarrassed? What's the deal? Somebody talk to me. And, like, you can tell he's just trying to get all this in. Um, And it's been bugging him. And, like, they're 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 just ignoring what he's saying. Stalker amounts to come back. He gets a sluggish leg drop. As Kevin says, it's over. And Austin, deadpans. No, it ain't. (laughs) Jr. trolls King uh, about his match with Mark Henry. King dares him to take a shot. Just everyone's on edge. They're all fucking bickering. Austin says Henry doesn't even belong in the WEF. Perfect takes the girl. Hunter's mad. Stalker finishes him. He wins the match with a superplex. The match was a fucking disaster, but the commentary is amazing. Uh, Austin was so good. You could feel the star power dripping from him. He's locked in. He's got a goal. He's got purpose. Just going in on Brett. His analysis was on point. I mean, it was like Jerry Seinfeld was picking apart everything, what's wrong with everything in the ring. Uh, him just, just completely cucking and neutering Stalker while he's, he's winning a, a rare win over in a match. You know, shitting on Helms. They call the woman a chick. Uh, JR, I I thought it was grating, but it's by design. Um, There's just so much going on. Like, even when the matches stink, at least the shit happening. So And perfect fucking with Hunter. So I went two stars, but I just love Austin in this match. I think he's tremendous, both from a pure storyline perspective of getting the breath stuff over, but also just entertaining, just like shitting on everyone, telling Kevin to shut up. And just completely emasculated the stalker. Uh, is he embarrassed to be married with him? Like, what's the deal? Um, why is he wearing paint? We all know who he is. Uh, I don't know, Chad. This, this, this is my jam. Austin shitting on everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a tough ma- I mean, this is a tough show to kind of grade the matches. I want to start in three quarter. It's another match where it's not really necessarily about the match. It's about what's going on and the crumbs for what's going to be happening. Um. Because I mean, to me, the two biggest things in this match are about Austin going off uh, with Brett, and then second is Hunter and Mister Perfect and whatever's going on there. Um, which is, I mean, I also think that's kind of interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm interested to see where that develops. So I'm i I'm along for that as well. Stalker, as we talked about, he, he just. I mean, the, the gimmick sucks, and he doesn't look like he's real motivated or in shape at all. So, uh, I, you know, like, the, the uh, outfit and gimmick and everything doesn't do Wendell many favors. Right, so yeah.
0: It just compounds on everything. I think he's uh, so banged up and broken down. Like, I feel yeah. like he gets into a little bit better shape into 97, but...
1: Oh, I mean, like, I like him in 99, <laughs> and then when he did his turnbuckle championship wrestling stuff in 2001, he's, he's enjoyable, but so, because when was
0: the big knee injury? Was that 94 or 95? Oh no, he
1: blew out his knee in
0: like 93. Yeah. Then he comes back and right. And he's like, kind of, yeah, he comes back for slambury. I think it just took him a while to get back to it.
1: I mean, he was back. I mean, like in 2001, he's not, you know, he's not flying around like it was in eighty seven or eighty eight. But I, I and plus I mean, I guess it's a crowd that's more conditioned for that type of wrestling too. So that helps. But but anyway, yeah, I mean this is this is a match that live, like obviously the crowd didn't care much. They were dead again. But um watching it as a television viewer is was more entertaining, but Oh for sure. That's just that's just mainly because of Austin. So
3: yeah, this is like a four-star segment and a, <laughs> like a star-through-quarter batch. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. Yeah, the match is in slow motion. Uh, I know Triple H isn't the Triple H yet of, like, 97 or 98 or 99 or maybe not Triple H at all uh, <laughs> that some people think he is. But, yeah, I expected a little bit more here at least. Um, I don't know if he was um, – like trying to drag a horse to ro- to water, or they were both horses trying to drag each other to water. <laughs> <laughs> this was just real slow. Uh, yeah. I was really shocked to see this caliber of of wrestling like on TV at this point. Like I, I know WWF's not uh you know five star in the Tokyo Dome all the time, but good grief, this was this mm-hmm. was like house show level slow. Um, so yeah, nothing really to say about the match, but Austin here is absolutely on fire. Uh going after Brett, going after the Hart family, calling a shots, um, <laughs> shutting up Kevin Kelly right off the bat. Um, Shut up. <laughs> JR JR is on one. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's 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 pure chaos, but it, it's great. Everything's very focused for as chaotic as it is. Um everything is, is building towards something. So um, and JT, you mentioned it with no taker, no mankind, mm-hmm. no brett, no Sean. Um, no, Sid. Like Austin's star power really jumps off the page on this show. Um, and a, a night that's kind of supposed to be Mark Marrow's, um, I think Austin runs into last second and mm-hmm. just shows everybody what a what a true superstar looks like.
0: God, what he says, no, it ain't. When uh, Kevin starts of the finish. <laughs> yeah, after the leg draw. <laughs> oh God, he's such a dick. So good. Um, this is like the closest that commentary would be with like. You're in the car with like your kids, a friend of theirs, and like your mother-in-law or something. <laughs> it's just like everyone's fucking angry. You're sitting in traffic. You're all arguing. Like it's just like chaos for <laughs> ten minutes. All right, here we go. Jr. is back in the uh, get in the ring and starts talking before Hunter's even out of the ring. He's like, "All right, here we go." Like just completely disregarding his his body rolling out. Uh, he's excited because he's gonna bring out Razor and Diesel, but before he can, Kevin cuts him off. And says, sorry, JR, we're going to go to a promo for Mankind in the Cemetery with Paul Bearer. Uh, and they just kind of talk about things becoming personal. Mankind says, Taker took something from him, so he'll take something back, his last breath. Uh, but this was, just, I thought this was really well done. Um, and then it continues. As <laughs> soon as we come back, and JR goes to talk again. And Kevin's just straight talking over him. Like, you can't even hear what he's saying. And then it takes us to break, and JR gets even more pissed. So like they are really just going in on needling jr and it's it's pretty well done i think it's pretty funny uh, we're finally back and jr says okay i'm gonna bring out diesel razor in a moment but first i got something to say something has been on my mind for a long time and after he finishes his wf loyalty may be questioned but he has no loyalty to the wf anymore only to himself in 1993 he left a great job in georgia working for the atlanta falcons to join the wf he became in to be the primary play-by-play man And no one would disagree that he's the best in the business. And that gets a cheer. Kevin says, this is embarrassing and uncomfortable. Kevin King asks what he's doing. JR says he showed up for his first day at work at WrestleMania 9 in Las Vegas and was handed a sheet to wear and told it was a toga party and he'd look good in it. He left the NFL for a toga and it was crap. Then he goes to the first King of the Ring in Dayton and he had to carry the whole broadcast himself. And then did the fans wonder where all JR went and why he wasn't doing play-by-play anymore? Because the egotistical owner of the day of Vince McMahon couldn't stand the competition, so JR disappeared. Super Bowl Sunday, 1994, JR woke up with Bell's palsy, and the left side of his face looked like it suffered a stroke. And then, of course, he shows his left eye to the camera, which can't open all the way anymore. He says the warm hearted Mr. McMahon called him into his office on February 11th and fired him. So he got in his car, drove to his home in an overpriced hellhole of Connecticut, has to tell his wife and girls that he was fired. Then, Later that year, McMahon got indicted, so they needed someone to do Raw. So they called old JR and let him go again. Finally, they hired him back a third time for 50 cents on the dollar to work in the office. And if we think all these guys leaving the ODF and others coming in by accident, it it was an accident. It wasn't. He's been a busy man. And right now, he wants to bring back one of our favorites, Razor Ramon. The music fires up. The crowd is hyped as Razor comes out to a good pop. I thought they did a good job with the camera work. You kind of get a soft glimpse, and then they they pan out. Kind of let things build until we see it's a different guy in the, in the outfit. Kevin and King are stammering, and JR says, how do you like it? How do you like this? Kevin asks if he's trying to outright embarrass the company. JR asks Razor how it feels to be back, and Razor does a terrible Razor Ramon impression. Uh, he gets cut off by Savio Vega, who attacks him. And that's what we wrap uh, with. Uh, the main takeaway here is that Jim Ross is an angry man who waited a long time to get this all off his chest. Uh, I, I don't know the way, at least they're not pretending it's Razor Ramon anymore. Like Jim Ross is basically saying like, I'm signing better athletes and this is what I'm going to do and fuck you all. So it's at least they're not trying to pretend it's Razor Diesel, I guess. Um, the reveal itself was a real thud though. Um, but I thought JR did fine, but this only means something if you're going to do something with him. So is he, is he going to become a manager? Is he going to try and like take over the promotion as a president? Is he going to be a top heel comment? Like what, what's it, what's the goal? Marcus, like that's, that's my main takeaway from this, which I was not clear to me coming out of this. Like, what's he trying to prove and do? Is he going to yeah. manage a razor and diesel? Is it just to bring new talent in his, in his job? You know what I mean?
3: Right. And they're kind of tipping their hand uh, without the exact verbiage. Like he is the, you know, executive vice president of talent relations. Uh, he is responsible for bringing in Mark Murrow and, uh, you know, Triple H and on and on and on down the line. Mankind, so on and so forth. So, like, that goes to his credit. But then with that, you immediately get rid of all that credit and and good equity by bringing in, obviously, fake Razor uh, and to come fake Diesel. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, if Jr. Is going to have his guys on commentary Mm -hmm. i think that would have been you know a better a better play um that way he can back austin but be like hey i don't like his methods but you know he's my guy um he can back brett because you know brett is everything that jim ross loves about wrestling uh he can have these people that he likes because he has the personal relationship with them he brought them in he knows their story he can connect with the viewer and also uh with like, you know, the casual fan or, or, you know, with the athletes even because he has these personal connections or uh, something that, you know, Vince and King really can't do. So maybe that's something they should have leaned into a little bit more uh, being that it's 1996 and they're still painting with very broad strokes and bright colors. Um, you know, maybe that's just not something they're going to be willing to do. It almost feels like an angle that was just what, six, nine months too early. Like if, if they could have just held off on this, if they could have even just made the whole fake razor, fake diesel thing, just like a one night, you know, blow off. Like, I I think it's okay then. Like the build is so good. The promo is so good. Like to completely waste this with such a bad payoff of obviously fake razor. Um, It's just like, what are, what are we doing? Um, It didn't make a ton of sense. Um, and maybe it wasn't supposed to make that much sense. Maybe Jim Ross way (laughs) over-delivered with that promo. Maybe they didn't expect the material to be that good, but uh, Jim Ross had a live microphone, and he had some grievances to air, and um, if you haven't checked this one out, you should really go back and check it out because um, it is really some stellar work, and um, you can at least definitely see how Vince saw this and was like aha there's something there with making Jim Ross a character because even at this point Jim Ross is just Jim Ross he's not a good old JR
1: Yeah I mean I I pretty much echo that like it's a, it's a conflicting segment to watch mm-hmm. because as a standalone promo it's excellent but what was the end goal did it try to accomplish uh, did it succeed in that Um, that's, a a different story. Um, just as of tonight, I mean, if you're, you're watching at home, like by the time Razor comes out, I mean, you know, like, you know, he's either on the other, you know, he's on the other show. So Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know what you would have expected. Um, but, uh. I don't know. This, this is kind of a head-scratcher because the promo in and of itself, I think, is fantastic. Like, it truly is. Like, better... I would say one of the better, like, shooty promos
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have. Um, I well, mean, it's all true. One of the first yeah. ones. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's true. And you know that there's a lot of conviction with what JR's saying. That's, you know, there's a lot of truth there. Like, he ain't... He's not pulling punches, um, but uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It was it was. I thought it was pretty fantastic, but I don't, I don't know what you could have tra- transitioned him into to feed off of that. I kind of agree with Marcus. I think he may be over delivered, and what their intention was, like the the promo was so true to form that it actually was kind of too good for what the segment called for, which is kind of weird to say.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> That's why I think it's, it's like, where are they going to go? You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, I think, I think the miss by them in this is not to not make him a heel manager, which maybe that was the plan originally with razor and diesel. They had to know razor and Diesel weren't going to work. There's no way they looked at this and thought it was going to work. Um <clears throat> I think the play yeah. should have been that he tried to, to take Monsoon's job because oh, yeah, he was yeah. shitting on him for weeks. He's signing all the real talent. He's the guy that should be calling the shots. He would know right. what's right for Raw. Like, that, to me, would have been the play. That fits Jim Ross way better, right? He's kind of a smarmy know-it-all. He knows more about wrestling than anyone else. He's signing all the big-time guys. And then to your point, Marcus, he can have his guys that he puts in advantageous you know spots maybe you have a match on raw with someone of his guy against someone defending monsoon and jr wins the presidency and mm. he becomes president for like 3 months this part of the angle something like that right maybe that's a better route to go that fits him and what he's got going on better than this nonsense
3: yeah um yeah maybe like that that'd be great i would love that just like yeah it, it, and now we're talking it out like maybe he did just simply over deliver like right. maybe it wasn't supposed to be this good uh because i mean this is an all-timer uh, shoot promo and um yeah it's definitely a, in the upper echelon of of you know work shoots um you know they're very popular right now mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean <laughs> i think everybody if you're gonna try doing one of these you should uh, definitely go back and look at jr's here because this is how you do it
0: all right, so that'll do it for Raw. It's an eventful one, which is something we can't say for a lot of Raw, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, quickly, with our awards, Match of the Night, uh, pretty obvious is M- Mero Farouk.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Okay. Uh, a moment, Jim Ross's heel promo.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: MVP uh, should be no surprise to you guys. I went with Austin because he was, he was in my favorite stuff of the night. I know JR is probably the easy pick. Mero had a good night, but I just thought Austin felt like the biggest star set up the biggest, a huge feud to come. Now it's clear that marching toward him and Brett. Uh, so I think if you come out of the show, one thing, it's that Austin's like ready to make the leap.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it may be revisionist history, but like Austin versus Brett is what at the end becomes the biggest angle of mm-hmm. anything tonight so i mean I'm, i went with austin too
0: we have marcus
3: oh yeah it gotta be stone cold yeah, yeah. all
0: right uh commissary lines i just had a couple <clears> he <throat> should be thanking the brick in sunny's purse that was king and he talked about the hitman's parents they produced more tragedies than shakespeare <laughs> yeah like,
1: i have a couple too uh <laughs> how old is pat patterson anyway that was king go ahead, sue their pants off. That was King uh, talking about Clarence Mason. Um, and then when uh, the Hunter Hurst himsleys uh, ballet came out, King said, I've seen more cotton in the top of an aspirin bottle than in that dress.
0: So <laughs> yeah, it was that good. was a pretty good one. King King had a good night. He was Yeah, and then,
1: thing. I mean, I, I wrote down the burial of Barry Wyndham that Alston gave, but you already <laughs> all mentioned
0: that. That was a uh, all-timer. The king, the line that King gave about Ahmed um, getting the, the uh, liver from Jake or whatever it was. Called. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I heard Jake donated the kidney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shots fired. I don't know. I just went with Razor Diesel, Jarrett's expose, and then Jerry Ross's <laughs> promo. So there's a lot going on. I uh, so. Um, debuts. I have I mean, he was on screen, so there's that. Uh, and then final grade. I thought this is a, a pretty solid episode of Raw. It's better than, than most that we've seen lately. We had the live vibe. We had the big title change, which was a good match. The JR promo, Austin. So I went. I went six out of ten. Six out of ten
1: for me too. Um, yeah, it's an interesting show. Like I said, I think there's some. I mean, it's a memorable show. So stuff you happened. Yeah, stuff you at least can, happened. Uh, you can't say that for many of these Raws. So this one, stuff happened in ring. I mean, we did get one good match. Besides that, the in ring didn't really matter. Um, I mean, the in ring didn't really matter much on both of the shows we talked about tonight. So there's that. Um, but as an overall show, I mean, yeah, it was memorable. Not everything hit, but um, you didn't forget. It. So that's better
3: than most for all of these day. Yeah, six out of ten for me. Um, not necessarily because of the matches, although we did get you know pretty good Intercontinental title match. We get you know the crowning of the champion. Um, but the other matches, if you know, even for being bad or not very interesting, there's other stuff going on uh, in the background that those matches are really just a backdrop for. And everything well, a lot of the stuff that's going on, I won't say everything, but a lot of that stuff is is really entertaining and it is leading to really big stuff down the road. Um, plus you get Austin, <laughs> all-timer, uh, on commentary and then the great JR promo to close out the mm-hmm. show. So, yeah, 6 out of 10 for me.
0: All right. Uh, before we get to Nitro chat, anything you, you want to highlight on North-South lately? Uh, so, I mean,
1: no. Uh, Chronoso Daily is uh RIP for the moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, I had a pretty good run, a few-month run. Um, but beyond that, I mean, we're still cranking out stuff every day. Like, now mm-hmm. we have a, a new sustained st- schedule, or, uh, regular programming. I think the thing that I enjoy is some of the voices that may have broke out. Uh, in the Cronoso thing, such as, uh, Mike Eller, Rocco, uh, Mike Rossi, you'll still be hearing them, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, Ryan Grace' new adventure, did we, did we ever decide on a name for that, <laughs>
0: I, uh, <laughs> the debut's, uh, tomorrow, if you
1: listen to this today, it like, find out, <laughs> we
2: were,
1: we were, we were in the, uh, in the war zone ourselves in the, the last storming session today, uh, Tim the tool man had a nice, uh, derailment of the thread there, but, uh, <laughs> trying to do shoe work and pay attention to that but uh but yeah so uh stuff every day I, the the uh I'll, I'll give you guys a shout out the new war season is uh you know it's it's one of those weird seasons with the nxt stuff that's recent but i don't remember hardly any of it so it's it's almost like a recent vintage I, it's tough to describe like it's stuff I know I watched a decent amount of but I just have no recollection of so uh been interesting to hear that chronicled through uh for the first episodes of that's dropped
0: yeah the the UK stuff I had not really seen so t- to me that was uh, fresh stuff. And I have very little memory of any NXT that I would have watched. It was, and I never really sat focused on it. So uh, I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, there'll be a lot of contention, as you'll see as we go along. Yeah, uh, I'll highlight real quick every other Monday. Uh, it has returned, at least in a new version. Aaron George's uh, The Wrestler That Was series. If you remember, he did The Year That Was. He did 36 of those, I believe. 35, 36 of those where he went through yeah. every Dirty F, uh, pay-per-view year. And rank them based on a series of metrics. And now he's going through individual wrestlers' pay-per-view careers and breaking them down in a series of metrics. So his first couple of episodes, he went through uh, Jake Roberts' career, then went through Scott Hall's career. Both were excellent listens. No one does solo audio like Aaron uh, to churn out hour-long episodes that are super interesting, that fly by. Uh, That you can think about and re-listen to Um, You know, you get some nice comments on Twitter For the Razor episode, which we appreciate So I would definitely highlight that That's every other Monday That rotates with now entering the Royal Rumble Aaron and I breaking down every single Royal Rumble entrance performance in uh, history We're 35 episodes in We did Billy Gunn in our last episode Uh, So we talked all about Mr. Ass 75 minutes on Ass (laughs) Talked a lot about his theme songs Uh, Just a great theme songs So uh, there's that. Uh, Marcus, anything you want to quickly highlight?
3: Yeah, you mentioned at the start of the show, final wrestling place over on the soon-to-be-named network. That is myself and not the tool man, Tim Taylor, where we take the nows professional wrestling and we put them into a hypothetical good place or bad place. Uh, Right now, we are finishing up our season on the bashes of wrestling. Uh, So anything with bash in the title is fair game for us to discuss. And of course, here on North-South Connection, we do viewers' choice. Um or after every WWE premium live event and AEW pay-per-view, uh, even forbidden snore. Uh, we will be here to uh, let you know what to watch and what to skip. All right.
0: Let's head over to Nitro. Second end of our show here, 923, 1996 from the Benjamin Jefferson Civic Center in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh get our opening animation and then tony shivani and larry zabisco welcome us in to the hottest two hours in wrestling tony reminds us that most of wcw stars are in japan tonight and it's a perfect chance he believes for the nwo to strike shows us an ad in usa today that the nwo paid for saying they'll be coming to play tonight uh this always stood out to me as an episode i don't know if you guys caught this as well or so again just my ocd tony's fingernails are uh obnoxiously long in this because <laughs> we get okay. a close-up where he's holding the newspaper and you see his hands and it's always whatever i've watched this episode a few times it's always stood out to me um it, it really made me question him quite a bit he's like my favorite play-by-play right. guy ever but cut your hand cut your fingernails possibly uh, Larry, fingernails long gross fingernails hmm you know, it's not like he just had the Coke pinky. He's got all of them. <laughs> uh, Larry does his thing. He runs down the NWO's parasites. We get some footage from Ocho Man versus the Giant at Fall Brawl. Savage will be here tonight as he preps for Halloween Havoc. We get clips of fans tearing up NWO propaganda in the concourse. Larry says we need organization and leadership, and we'll see if Savage is the man that's up for the job. Then head to our opening match, which is Kevin <laughs> Sullivan and Conan taking on Brad Armstrong and Juventud Guerrera. Conan and Sullivan head out with Jimmy Hart, who's toting the Mexican heavyweight title. Dungeon of Doom still chugging along, and an interesting team, Armstrong and uh, Bub is out with the Dungeon of Doom. Tanay joins the booth to add some insights on Conan's new attitude. Conan folds, folds up Hoovy with a released German right away and cranks the arm. Tanay says Sullivan is fortifying the dungeon against their rivals. Who goes to the air to take back over, including a nice plancha outside back in the ring. Who gets a springboard somersault leg drop, but Conan comes back with the package DDT. Today reminds us that Conan's power was too much for who at fall brawl. Conan goes to the tag, but Sullivan refuses and tells him to do it himself. Conan hits a brain buster off the top and Sullivan refuses to tag again. Armstrong does tag in. And gets a flurry of offense, but Conan cuts him off with a power bomb. We see the NWO street team marching through the crowd as Sullivan tags in and does a double stomp and picks up the win. Bubba then attacks Conan after the match, and him and Sullivan beat the shit out of him. Kind of weird. Uh, not much of a match, just a squash, a very confusing angle, which we then find out at the end it was just a Dungeon Doom initiation. From Jimmy, as Conan reaffirms his loyalty, so we're back on track. And today <laughs> says it was just a gang initiation. Uh, I wish they made it a little more clear instead of confusing. Maybe just you know say that maybe the, like today comes in and says he heard that Sullivan was gonna you know find a way to initiate him into the gang officially tonight. Something along those lines to make it less confusing. is it it definitely felt like a turn um, when it happened. They were already kicking him out. Uh, anyway, star and three quarters for me, Chad. Just whatever is it, opener.
1: Uh, so a couple things before I get to the match. Uh, Hogan is still in your opener mm-hmm. uh, animation. Also, uh, I don't. I've I've kind of been keeping the lid on this one. I think uh, in an early episode, I may have let it slip. But uh, this was the first Nitro I attended in person.
3: Oh, whoa! In Birmingham, <laughs> yes. So
1: as a ten-year-old. I And this is probably... Well, I know it is. This is the best seats I've had for a major show. We were about fifth row hard camera side um, towards the entranceway. Uh, There was about 10 or 11 of us, if I remember correctly. Uh, We went with the guys that built our house when we moved to Alabama.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, So uh, a big uh, bunch of country dudes. I got the... um, rick flair shirt with his uh i think they called it the signature series shirt um it was the giant sting rick flair black and white with like their photo on the top and their signature yeah. on the back still have it uh, i may uh, take a picture of it put it on the old twitter uh tonight still have it uh, it's a size large so i'm not gonna be fitting into it anytime soon but uh Still carried it around, but yeah, I, I, I don't remember a ton from the show itself, but yeah, this was the first uh, first live Nitro for me. Uh, match itself, uh, I mean, yeah, this was this wasn't much. I, I thought Hoovy and Conan still showed that they had good chemistry with each other. Uh, nice crossbody to the outside and the somersault leg drop back into the ring. Uh, Conan <laughs> spikes him with the DDT again, uh, and then you get to the angle stuff where Conan's looking for the tag. Sullivan refuses, uh, go straight to the finish where, um, eventually Conan is able to take out the knee, follow up with a power bomb, tag Sullivan in, he immediately gets the pin. Um, and then you get the initiation beat down or whatever on the outside. So I want to start in three quarters too. Um, I mean, as an angle, I thought it was okay. I, I didn't think it was great. I, I still struggle with Sullivan, and kind of his role overall now. I mean, he's, he's certainly been phased down. I mean, this is the opener of an hour one Nitro, so I can't necessarily say, like, he's being overexposed, but um, I, I don't know. It just seems weird that he's kind of the leader of a group when you're talking about the NWO. Like, I feel like it gets so dwarfed by how cool the NWO is that he's still kind of hanging out, leading the dungeon guys.
3: Uh, it's kind of crazy here that two of the most powerful pencils, if you will, <laughs> of of the 90s uh, pretty much just get to pick their favorite enhancement guy to work with and, and have a right, team up together right. um, to go up. Um, my favorite part about this is when Conan gets jumped, one, Big Bubba beats him like he owes him money, uh, but then two... Uh, Conan getting up and yelling into the camera I'm touching the doom I'm touching <laughs> the doom <laughs> With like spit flying out of his mouth Landing on the camera uh, It added some kind of weird like authentic charm To the actual angle uh, <laughs> I don't know why I, I love everything about the show un, unapologetically um, And without really good reason So uh, I don't know Star and a half But I don't know I also love it <laughs> All right. We see clips of the
0: close of last week's episode of the NWO is in the limo and confirmed they'd be at Nitro tonight since most of WCW will be in Japan. Mike today's backstage with the macho man who knows he's a marked man. He'll do whatever it takes to beat Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc, even if he gets cheap shot at every night till then. He's the last chance for WCW or else the wrestling world will be tipped upside down. Savage says he was booked in Japan too, but pulled himself off the tour because he feels he had to be here tonight. It says maybe a hundred million lifetimes from now. Him and Liz will be in the same pond again, but nothing makes sense, sense except for him taking responsibility to wipe out Hollywood Hogan at Halloween Havoc. Uh, any quick thoughts on this promo? Nah, it was
3: fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay. Back to the ring as me and Mike Enos takes on Chris Jericho. Uh, big match for Enos here against uh, the Red Hot Jericho. Nice little showcase spot. Larry's concerned. That Macho Man is confused. Says he needs to step up and lead. We get a nice pop for Jericho as he jogs out. Tony tells us Harlem Heat will be defending the tag team titles against Hall and Nash. Halloween Havoc. So it's a pretty big tag, uh, pretty big title match as Harlem Heat is now pulled into the war at the NWO. Hot star for Jericho with a flurry of strikes with Enos, beats, uh, baits him in and slugs him down on a charge. He pelts him with headbutts. Jericho comes back and grabs the arm to reset. We get more NWO talk as Enos hotshots Jericho on the top rope and then works the neck with some chokes, shoves Jericho around, and it's a nice power slam. Jericho rolls outside, but Enos nails him with a clothesline and chokes him with a cable. Enos pounds him out there as Tony puts over Jericho's heart and his attitude. Enos tips the steps on the side and suplexes Jericho across them, which is a pretty unique spot. Looked pretty good. Back inside, Enos keeps pouring it on as Larry is nervous about Savage, thinking he's the last hope. Enos pelts away and going, uh, goes for covers before twisting Jericho to a Boston Crab. Keeps working the back. He hoists Jericho to a hanging backbreaker. Jericho wiggles free and comes firing away, gets some stiff shots, including a hard clothesline. Enos is rattled as Jericho gets a butterfly suplex, follows to the top rope Rana attempt, but Enos blocks and power bombs him off the top in a nice spot. Enos power slams Jericho, but Jericho rolls through and cradles him for the win. I, this is really fun. Marcus Uh, Enos looked really good on offense all through the match. Jericho fed and bumped perfectly. I thought both guys looked strong. Just a fun, hard fought TV match that was crisp. I went three stars on this. I thought Enos looked really good and shows he could hang with a guy like Jericho.
3: Yeah. I'm a little bit lower. I went two and three quarters, but uh, not too far off. Um, Yeah. Surprising, I guess, work coming from um, Mike Enos. He's not really a guy ever like look at and I'm like, all right, we're going to get like a, a pretty entertaining match um you know he's hovering right around replacement level um but yeah him and jericho really showed up to work mm-hmm. um they put on a, a, a good match they got a good amount of time uh you know right around eight minutes so i feel like they've made the most of it uh you know look good um I, I like the the clash of styles uh you know jericho being the cruiserweight but also bringing the uh hard-hitting offense to the much bigger athlete and uh you know so yeah it, it it was a, a better than expected um, little match here. Yeah, I thought this was kind of shockingly good. I I've, I've been impressed
1: with Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say besides Ray, he's probably the most impressive kind of newcomer we've seen. Um, I'd include Malenko in that. Um, I just I don't know. I, I just expected him to be more sloppy. Or uh, unpolished, but right, he's he's had a lot of good good showing so far. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun kind of shifts within this match with Eno's using his power moves, a slingshot shoulder block. Uh, then he misses the shoulder block that allows Jericho to get the arm drag to take him over. But then uh, Eno's is able to hit the hot shot, belly to belly suplex. Look nasty. The running clothesline from the apron. Look good um and then uh, actually uses the steps and the guardrail as well uh, and then we had some nice uh, near falls uh coming out of the backbreaker submission and whatnot um and then jericho makes the come back with the butterfly suplex missile drop kick gets t- uh, caught though in the powerbomb position He knows drives him down uh, but he makes a mistake and goes for another power slam. and uh, Jericho was able to roll through so that that showed Jericho learned within the match because Enos had been able to use the power slam uh, to uh, great dividends uh, like twice in the match so far. But on the third try, uh, Jericho was ready for it and caught him. So three stars, uh, another uh, kind of a a, a good book in hour one Nitro match that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it didn't serve any storyline purpose, but was very enjoyable. They gave him eight minutes, and
0: uh, Boca's delivered. All right, we'll see if our next match delivers. As Glacier (laughs) is set to head back to the ring to take on Pat Tanaka, Sensei Patrick heads out to the Goldberg team, future Mm -hmm. Goldberg for a big showdown of martial arts, uh, martial arts kings. Glacier dances out in the snow for a second match. Tony talks up Glacier's past, how he decided to train martial arts in the Orient as, expo- as opposed to following his father into law enforcement. Uh, Tanaka sneaks around in the dark as Glacier preps and we get some martial arts mannerisms and ambling around. The lights stay dim in the arena, so we're wrestling in the dark. Tanaka feeds in for Glacier to hit some strikes and takedowns. Sensei Patrick eventually scoops him into a powerbomb. Glacier basically no-sells it, takes Tanaka down with a spinning round kick, and picks up the easy win. Larry says, they better talk to Glacier before the NWO recruits him. It could be a big pickup. Uh, He dances around more after the bell. I mean, nothing here. The powerbomb looked cool. Glacier finishes quickly, so that's fine. Uh, We continue to slow burn his career here. Incremental baby steps. Uh, lots of baby steps, Chad Half a star for this
1: Yeah, I want a quarter star I mean, it's a squash But I, I mean I, it's, it's tough to say Like, we know what happens And Even in real time I mean, again Like, I was alive for this I don't have uh, You know Vivid memories Of Glacier's entrance Or whatever I, I can't remember it at all But I mean, the crowd popped When he won And The few moves he did Looked good and the entrance was okay. It's, <laughs> I think it just goes back to what we said where his it, I mean, his debuts just, he's a victim of overhype. Like, mm-hmm. they just teased him for so long that right. he couldn't meet expectations. But uh, so far, I wouldn't say anything that's happened with him has been, like, actively bad. It's just, it's not going to be what we've heard for months and months and months. Mm-hmm
3: i don't know what y'all talking about i absolutely love this this is so cool glacier did all the karate stuff i'm not even a karate guy but like (laughs)
0: obviously if if you think glacier did good karate stuff
3: (laughs) well larry's
0: a black belt so he'll let yeah he said yeah larry
3: larry knows what he's talking about Mm. um i thought tadaka was awesome because uh it's really hard to at least in my experience to like as more guys are coming from like the MMA world for mm-hmm. that to translate to pro wrestling, it's very difficult in like how to bump people, how to take that, how to sell that. Um, and so I imagine it's not too different from like using karate and pro wrestling and like knowing how to bump and how to sell that, that kind of stuff. So I thought Tanaka actually uh, did a really good job with that. So they
0: should keep, they keep him around outside of glacier.
3: Uh, keep both. They should have put them, uh, put him with the uh, little group. That's going to be coming up pretty soon. There's always room for Pat to knock as far as I'm no, concerned. Oh man, uh, I mean, I would rather see this than that Stalker Triple H match. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it at least met it. I'll go a star and three quarters. <laughs> you can't say that this was any worse than that, 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 I that terrible
0: out. match. Uh, All, right. All right, WCW Saturday Night coming this weekend. Brad Armstrong versus Dean Malenko. Public Enemy versus High Voltage and Savage versus Bubba. Uh, so tune in this weekend. To- I feel like that's a
1: better lineup for Saturday night than
0: we've been yeah, in the last few solid. weeks. It's yeah, it's that's, that's solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony points out, and this is a big moment for me, by the way, uh, 1996 <laughs> Olympian silver medalist in greco roman wrestling Matt Gafari, in the crowd. Uh, Larry promptly calls him a loser for not winning the gold. Uh, this was big only because on ECW Extreme Through A Dance Podcast Joey Styles in the episode where Kurt Angle appears uh, says the other promotions have an Olympic Olympian on their roster, Mark Henry and the WF. And then he said some name that I could not figure out in WCW. And I'm like, I do not remember any Olympians in WCW. I did Google searches, I searched and searched and could not figure it out. So when this appeared on my TV uh, monitor, uh, watching this Nitro, I popped it, immediately Susa and immediately messaged Sousa and Jetty. I'm like, I found the Olympian in the WCW. It's Matt Cafari in the crowd. Uh, because this would have been right when they did the Angle episode. So there you go. Big moment. I was
1: like a uh, boss man lifting the briefcase moment for you. <laughs> it
0: was. So ring. Ring. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit. All right. Big tag team title match is up next is Public Enemy challenges Harlem Heat. The uh, Public Enemy dances out with tables. Tony tells us uh, the winner of this will be defending the tag titles against the Outsiders, the Halloween Havoc. And also that Lex Luger will take on Arn Anderson in Las Vegas as well. Harlem Heat come out their belts. They got Sherry. They got Parker. Tony shits on the Outsiders, calls them parasites that can't wrestle. Public enemies start start hot at the bell and clean house before we settle into a standard tag. Tony talks about how when you face Harlem Heat, you have to deal with four people. Public enemy double team to keep the heat on Booker, who gets an eye gouge and battles back. The champs tag in and out, they choke, they strike away on grunge. After a break, the champs are still in charge, battering Rock, but he dodges a scissors kick, and Booker crotches himself. Grunge comes in and loads, and Larry thinks they celebrate the pain too much, and it does cost him as Booker mows him down at clothesline. Larry says he has faith in Harlem Heat defending the titles, but no faith in Savage against Hogan. The champs work over Grunge some more, easing through some strikes and a chin lock. Tony says the crowd keeps looking around waiting for the NWO based on all the talk tonight. It's quite a little uh, premonition by Tony because that'll around now start to become an issue. Uh, Booker maims grunge with a huge Harlem sidekick and is in his bag after that. I knew he just crushed it. We see uh, backstage that the NWO has arrived as they pile out of the limo. The whole crew is here laughing it up. Tony's jealous that the NWO is organized and all they got is Savage who's confused. Poor Savage. Grunge fights his way back into things. Gets <laughs> has a neckbreaker, makes a tag to Rock or Rock, who cleans house. The champs quickly cut him off, but Rock dodges a hangover. We get an awkward sequence of the ropes where they're kind of floundering around. And they end up botching the finish. Stevie shoves Rock yep. and he lands on Booker with his feet on the ropes. But Booker isn't really down. So Patrick stops at two, even though it was obviously supposed to be the finish. So they get up quick and Rock counters a Booker inside cradle and wins the match and the titles for a public enemy and a huge upset. Harlem Heat's music actually starts, and Patrick shuts it down and gives the belts to Public Enemy, and they just dance off through the crowd. Uh, I thought the match was kind of sluggish, that never really got going into a flow, just a bunch of stuff. Uh, I thought Booker looked best of everyone, hit some high-impact stuff, and a really cool moment in theory, but they completely butchered it uh, with that convoluted finish, as usual. They just overthink things, like, just do a clean finish. Public Enemy of the Champions, and now they seem set suddenly. For a huge spot to defend against the Outsiders of Halloween Havoc if they make it, Chad So two and a quarter uh, Kind of whatever But the finish was interesting I guess
1: Yeah, I went two and a half You continue to crap on Public Enemy for no reason mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, it's, this was okay it, it was a decent, a good match I thought there was some uh, nice uh, Flurries in the match Where Uh, when, uh, Booker hits his Harlem sidekick, that looked nasty, uh, and then, uh, Grunge hits a good spinning neckbreaker, makes a good hot tag to Rocco Rock, um, him moving from the Harlem hangover looked good, uh, the, the finish was very unfortunate, I, I, I don't quite know, I guess it was a positioning issue, but, um. Look, look, I mean, it was just, it was botched all the hell. There's no other way to say it. Uh, so then you do get the kind of retcon finish where Rocco rolls him up. Uh, there seemed to be confusion there. Uh, like, uh, you know, I agree with Larry on commentary where he says, like, the the uh, win came out of nowhere. Um, it does feel like, like, Public Enemy winning the titles now. They're not as hot as they were a few months ago. So... Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a little odd, but um, I, I, I felt feel felt like a like
0: swerve to do a swerve. That's all.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a little little weird. Um, I think having Harlem Heat, you know, just look strong going into the defense versus the outsiders probably would have been the way to go. Um, in retrospect, but Public Enemy has been really the stalwarts for uh, us on Nitro. For much of 96 So in in one hand I was happy to see them Kind of get a a big moment here But uh, as a match itself It was
3: just decent 2.5 So This might be me With a little bit of galaxy brain here Um, But our referee (laughs) is Nick Patrick And Uh we know that Nick Patrick uh, Has been embroiled in some controversy Um, And I think that he, uh, We needed the convoluted finish. We needed something a little controversial so that Patrick could maybe go into business for himself or his uh, possible uh, new business associates uh, to help give them an easier matchup at Halloween Havoc as opposed to facing Harlem Heat. So I do think a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle of a finish was necessary as opposed to just uh, one team doing a clean job one way or the other. Well, and I think have
0: was- him do something a little bit more Clear, like it just looked too much like they botched the move. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's like all fucked up.
3: Yeah, yeah, like the 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 actual execution, uh, is not good. Um, I I think there is enough stuff going on on the outside with Parker, with Sherry, with the tables, with the NWO looming, um, with kind of a tag team title match out of nowhere. It's kind of okay for Harlem Heat to not be the most focused and uh to not be firing on all cylinders and for public enemy to kind of come out and and pick up a win um so i thought this was a pretty cool moment especially as a kid you don't get a ton of title changes on tv mm-hmm. so this one always stood out and was really special to me um i two and a half like the match is fine uh, for what it was but uh, it's a pretty cool moment um just because we, we still don't get a ton of title changes on tv and a little bit of a controversial finish here with Nick Patrick. So uh, things are moving, things are taking place um, and it it leads to more questions and answers.
0: All right, we head to hour two is Eric Bischoff, Mike Tenet and Bobby Heenan welcome us in. We get our pyro, we reset the night and we head right back to the ring for a WrestleMania four rematch as Greg the Hammer Valentine takes on macho man, Randy Savage. Bischoff says he heard the NBO have a surprise and someone new tonight. That's the word going around the back. The hammer struts out for this big match uh also rematch from july 1st nitro Uh, but all eyes will be on the promised attack of savage that's what we've been hearing bobby says someone put a picture of savage in the back and put a bullseye on him we get a big pop for savage as he heads out it's wcw's top hope hammer attacks during the entrance but stops to seductively strip his robe off which is an interesting decision kind of shimmies out of it and that allows savage to work him over bobby talks about the vibe of the arena with wcw's top guns in japan but the nwo being here hammer comes back with some elbows bischoff says there's nothing they can do about the nwo being here hammer slings savage out to the floor as bischoff says savage is beyond psycho right now hammer follows out and hot shots savage on the railing as he's dominating the match bischoff gives well wishes to super colo who dislocated his elbow earlier tonight he's headed to the hospital Hammer chops away, and Bischoff says ambulances are surrounding the arena. They're preparing for the worst. And right on cue, Savage grabs a chair and just smashes Hammer with it. And again, back in the ring to get DQ'd. A weird match. I guess it's the Savage just screwed up, but he basically gets worked over by an over-the-hill Valentine. And then Valentine, and then just uses the chair and gets DQ'd. But I guess his brain is so scrambled, he's so you know hyper-focused on Hogan, he's just a mess. So, uh, Star in Three Quarter, Marcus, like it was fine. Just. Odd decision, odd booking.
3: Yeah, I went two on it. Uh, I like how they got right to it, uh, just like a cool, I don't say old man fight, but mm-hmm. uh, two two vets just really landed in, and and everything looked really sharp. Uh, you know, even if the match was a little bit rushed, and uh, Savage is definitely wrestling a little bit scattered brain. He's got tons of stuff going on with the looming promised attack and you know backing out of the japan date and being uh the only top star wcw here plus he's got liz on the brain uh the upcoming title match with hogan so there's a ton on savage's plate and uh it definitely makes sense that he would be a little unhinged and uh you know unfocused uh which is really saying something for randy savage to be exceptionally unfocused uh and extra chaotic in the ring so um I, I did like how uh you know bischoff not to jump too far forward in our timeline but uh bischoff really did a lot of like second guessing the macho man um which you know I, I bischoff's commentary on this night i thought was really subtle um and yeah i, I think this match really really points to that because uh, you know for being the only top star of wcw um you know bischoff definitely I guess has some qualms with Savage. Uh and you know, really points out, you know, his psyche and, you know, where's his headspace at and uh you know, just stuff like that. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, uh, without being too on the nose. Uh Chad, how'd you feel?
1: Uh I went a star and a half for the match. It's a, a dream match from nineteen eighty six. Maybe not necessarily nineteen ninety six. Um, I you know th- we, we had not had many Nitros where hour two started fresh like mm-hmm. this did, where, uh, you know, we get right to a clean, you know, break right into a match. And, uh, you know, this, this hour is, is kind of tough. It's going to be tough for us to cover. But I, I thought this match in some ways did a good job of setting the table for what was to come. I mean, you had a few uh, little caveats of, like, Valentine getting some kind of uh, meaty elbows in um a, a few minutes of uh action uh before savage is able to uh to kind of take over and then go nuts so to speak before the finish so uh you know getting the dq kind of puts that over that savage is unhinged and whatnot and then that sets up the big angle that's uh really gonna carry us for the rest of the show
0: well, here we go. As the NWO pours into the ring, as promised, they're all over Savage. Bobby's fretting about them taking over Nitro. We see Elizabeth fretting near the entrance. She runs off as Savage takes an outsider edge and a jackknife. Trash is pouring in the ring. The crowd ain't having it as the NWO struts around. Nash says they're taken over. Giant grabs the mic and congratulates the team, says the NWO takes another one and brings out Hogan with a Michael Buffer-style intro. Hogan hits his uh, civilized line and then smacks Savage as the outsiders hold him. Hogan drops uh, the leg on him twice as the medical staff has brought out a stretcher. The NWO celebrates uh, <clears throat> and then continue to batter Savage, who's trying to get to his feet. Nash pulls out a slim gym and whips Savage with it. Hogan is used to being in Hollywood, but the bright lights are shining off Nacho Man's bald head, is too much. And he'll help Savage out because he's an artiste, and anything less would be uncivilized. They spray black paint all over Savage's bald spot, and Nash gives a Cy Sperling shout out as the outsiders make a beeline for the commentary booth. Heenan and today take off, but Nash grabs Bischoff and forces him into his seat to join them on commentary. Hall tells Bischoff to do his job, and the rest of the NWO circle around as Hall brings out their newest member, Ted DiBiase's head of security, Vincent, a name known to all fans. And, of course, it's uh, Virgil. Hogan tells Bischoff uh, says Bischoff is hanging with the NWO tonight as Vincent greets everyone and then smacks Bischoff in the shoulders. We get a loud Virgil chant from the crowd as Nash says they can take over basketball now with the giant And that his brother-in-law tells him Alabama football and NASCAR are the only things worth watching. Uh, And that is that, says Bischoff, sends us to break. So, Chad, what did you think of this initial start to the NWO takeover? The way way they went about it. I will say, I like that they said they were going to do it, and then they did it. Like, it wasn't a swerve. It wasn't a tease. Like, they said they're going to come out and beat the shit out of them, and they came out and beat the shit out of them. Which I appreciate it. I thought it was, like, it was well done on that level
1: yeah we talked about that like besides the nwo sting anything that they've promised they've delivered Mm -hmm. exactly what they've said so far so you it's good that 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 gives uh good capital that you know these hills mean business um and uh I mean, just a ton of ton of mayhem here, like, I mean, between Giant with the microphone, uh, the big beatdown of Savage, Elizabeth being shown in the entranceway, you continue that, Hogan comes out, I thought this was probably one of the better Hogan promos we've seen again, I mean, he's been killing it, he is very detestable <laughs> during this whole segment, mm-hmm. uh, still putting over that civilized line. You know him talking about Macho's bald head is pretty hilarious, and so like just, I mean it, it's 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 just good stuff because it's him as a heel, but it's it was the problem that he had like in April is this baby face that like he's so washed out and burned out, but like everybody was in on the joke except for Hogan, and he took himself too serious, like him using these like lines like bald head and macho shows some like shocking self-awareness for hogan you know that like i mean he knows that line is like very ironic but he uses it anyway uh, the spray paint of macho's hair was well done nash yelling like sterling eat your heart out was funny um, and then they invade the announce booth. I, lo- I mean, the clip of Bobby fleeing the announce booth always is good. Um, and and the thing with Vincent, uh, you know, I, on one hand, it's like, wow, like this was alarming to think that, all right, this is September 23rd. Vincent is kind of what our seventh official member of mm-hmm. the NWO. We still got Sting, Bogus Sting, wherever you land with him there. So there's eight guys that could be around this group at any one time, whereas just one month earlier, they were only at three. So they more than doubled in a month. So they are expanding pretty quickly here. Um, so that, that's one thing to keep track of. But, uh, I mean, the way Vincent was introduced, I thought, was – I don't know, I mean, is is it a, I mean, of course, like, he's named Vincent, because you know why, (laughs) and is that a cheap shot, maybe, but I thought it was done well, Mm -hmm. and that this was kind of just like an also-ran type thing, Um, and that again shows, like, if you're comparing cheap shots for cheap shots, WCW is just dominating right now, because, (laughs) like, the problems we talked about with the Ross promo and what the objective was and then beyond the fact that main events their show like that is your lasting image Mm -hmm. is this fake razor coming out and you know that happening whereas here. You know, we know this is Virgil. We know he's named Vincent as a dig at Vince McMahon, but they just bring him out and him saying like he's head of security and reunited with DBIC. Like there's all that history there that still works. Like it's it's nostalgia fueled, but still feels new and in a cutting edge way uh, that they're presenting it. So I still, I mean, this again was another slam dunk segment for me.
3: He's whipping him with a slim Jim. (laughs) I love, I love this beat down, man. It's so cool. I love that the NWO called their shot. They said what they were going to do and they did it. And it adds a certain, I think street cred uh, to the, the gang dynamic that the NWO has uh, before they really blow up in size. And I felt like there was a heightened sense of danger um, when you added six into the mix. Now, um, like there, there's just a certain almost ruthlessness, uh, that six hall and Nash all together have,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, that, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but, uh, yeah, they just feel more dangerous, um, and, and more ruthless, uh, whenever those three are involved, um, Hogan really feels like he has figured out exactly what this Hollywood Hogan character is supposed to be. I mean he doesn't miss all night uh whether he's doing commentary or he's cutting promos into the camera or it's on the live mic whatever it is uh hogan is on fire on this show uh you know i love that savage like very sympathetic here like how how can he get like more sympathy on randy savage multiple time world champion uh you know hall of famer before hall of fame was really a thing at the time like randy savage is a household name um, how can you possibly get more sympathy onto him? And they do it with all the stuff with Liz, with everybody going to Japan, with him staying behind, um, and doing this beatdown at the top of hour two. Uh, it really felt dire. Um, you know, I don't know if a Empire Strikes Back kind of comparison is is appropriate, but uh-huh. I mean, this this feels like, oh man, like nwo is up (laughs) and it's it's not close uh they just blew this ball game wide open so uh, this is like a 10 out of 10 segment for me i love the commitment to the execution there is literally no hope for wcw here the nwo is too unified they're too strong too powerful and uh with the addition of the new members uh even vincent um they're still staying fresh every week and doing something new and creative and in my in my little uh you know fantasy brain Uh, I wish that Vincent was actually Ice Train. I think (laughs) that Ice Train would have been such a better fit in this role. And then now, uh, a couple years ago, we learned that this was supposed to be the Godfather spot. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. yep. Godfather was going to jump ship. Uh, He was a free agent. Uh, And Vincent swooped into the last second (laughs) and took considerably less money to come in and do this spot. And he obviously had the in with, uh, with Ted. So... Uh, yeah, we missed out on a, a, a cool new member of the NWO with, uh, Godfather.
0: It would have been interesting. All right. So we got a bunch going on here. You guys, uh, over the next few seconds, jump in if you want to jump in. All right. I'm just gonna Keep going. There's a lot to get through here. Um, (laughs) we get NWO paid announcement, hyping this shirt, which makes you look skinny on TV. We're told, uh, after break, (laughs) (laughs) call a national on the giant
1: size (laughs) Buy the shirt.
2: (laughs)
0: Hall and Nash are on the mic uh, with Bischoff, which is another nice touch that Bischoff's stuck behind. He had the intel of a new member. Like, what's going on? Bischoff seems a little, little too in the know of the NWO. Uh, six also, minutes-
1: yeah, real quick, like Hall and Nash being there on commentary, like basically you seeing them on every segment. Mm-hmm. Again, another reminder: you're not going to see them on yes. Raw. Yeah.
0: Well, because raw was at nine, right? Yeah, this yep. is eight to ten. Yeah, so this yeah. would have yeah. went
1: head to head with yeah, we're anything them all that's going all night right raw. Here.
0: Yep. All right, six. Vincent DiBiase flanked them on commentary. Hall takes a shot at Kevin Green. Says there's only a couple of real sports left, and one is rednecks dipping skull and driving in circles. <laughs> <laughs> and he and Nashville will say they take over NASCAR. <laughs> If they had a car, and right on cue, out comes an NWO painted race car revving its engine. Bischoff yeah. tries to escape, but they pull him back down. And Nash reveals their driver to be Kyle Petty, yeah. <laughs> He's racing the NWO car. Hall says Michael Wall Street is a real season pro and businessman. We'll so see him in a minute. Yeah. Um, all right, then on this little bit here.
1: Uh, I mean, I thought the car looked pretty
0: badass, to be honest.
1: Um, They got a big
0: name, too, in Kyle Petty, right? Yeah, I mean, so
1: Kyle Petty, obviously, like, his dad kind of riding his dad's coattails. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, at this point, like, it was true. He kind of had just had a fight and was kind of one of the quote-unquote, like, bad boys in NASCAR. So, it fit the uh, NWO motif as
3: well. I love that they stole him because I remember his appearance from Starrcade '93. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so, to me as a kid, like they stole Kyle Petty from WCW. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, defected. He's defected. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a stroke of
0: genius. All right, Giants in the ring to do ring announcing, uh, which he does a nice job. He introduces Jim Powers and M Wall Street. M by Wall
2: Street? By the
0: way. Yeah. So we have a change. Uh, VK is no longer VK. Is now oh. M. Wall. Is that
1: does that continue yes. or? Yes. Okay. It does. Okay. Yep. I don't know if they just like no. I'm
0: guessing it's lawsuit related. Uh, is okay. my guess due to the all whole right. national and all that stuff? They probably changed it so no one thought they were trying to claim it was Vince McMahon or anything like that. Um, all right. So he's now well, M Wall Street. So and they also
3: cool. have Vincent. Like that's that's a lot of double dipping on the whole Vince thing. Yeah,
0: well, that could be it too. Maybe I don't know, but I, I'm guessing it was lawsuit related with the VK because it's a sudden change. Uh Teddy Long brings out Jumpin' Jim. Uh Marty Slee's his favorite wrestler. Uh Nash says Teddy has packed on the pounds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like Peanut yeah. is yeah. putting yeah. on
0: the poundage. Yeah. He's looking yeah. bloated. Uh, Hall says Powers is all juiced up. And Nash says the guys of the gym think he look good. Hall you says he must good. be Hall says he must be saying his prayers and taking his vitamins. Uh, Nash, Nash puts over Wall Street's collegiate background. These guys are just on fire. Paul and Nash head to ringside. <clears throat> DiBiase sits down with Bischoff, and Vincent forces Bischoff to his feet. Powers and Wall Street are hesitant to start because the NWO is surrounding the ring, and they just end up attacking them. They beat the shit out of Powers at ringside. Bischoff says, why are you doing this? And DiBiase says, well, because we can. For some <laughs> reason, it sounds like the Dungeon of Doom music is playing low in the background during this. Uh, no. Randy Anderson takes off his bow tie and says he can't do it, and he leaves. So out comes Nick Patrick. He argues with Teddy to stay out of his way. Giant says he'll now face Jim Powers and he fucks around and eventually hits a choke slam to finish things as Nick Patrick counts the fall. Just insanity. We go backstage where Hogan is spray painting walls. In come the nasty boys out of the locker room. And Hogan gives him a big hug and congratulates him on the wedding of Nobbs' sister. Hogan says they've always been friends. They don't talk business, but tonight it's NWO night. And the Nasties have always stood by him and never knocked him. So he wants to talk business tonight. He says he changed the contracts and the Nasties have the night off. Some other guys will take on the outsiders instead. So the Nasties can take his room key, head to his suite, and he'll talk business after the show. Knob says he trusts Hogan with his life and they head out. His Bischoff bemoans yet another defection. Hogan sings the Hollywood song. Uh, the pacing here is insane. It's like, we're <laughs> cut, 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 cut. We're, we're not yeah. slowing down. Uh, we go back to the ring. Giant's still there. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Let me, uh, so a couple, I, I think there's more
1: psychology in the Wall Street uh, thing. Okay. Because they, they don't beat up Wall Street. He kind of right. walks away. Yeah, yeah. So I took that as a nod of like a money ink. Mm-hmm. Um, call back. Oh yeah, right. right. So so he kind of they kind of just let him saunter off. And then the reason I think it is the Giants' music is because now he's he's entering the match. Like he oh, the match so still changes. Using that music, though? Yeah. Okay, so he still they fire up the. Dun- I don't know if that was right. supposed to be or not, but that that was quick. Uh, Giant run the ropes there. I thought was a highlight. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know it was whatever um i did like that we got some uh nasty boy hogan interaction because i mean they've been talking about that i mean you've had gene questioning knobs for months now so mm-hmm. to actually see hogan interact with them face to face was well done and uh pretty much confirmed everybody's suspicion i mean they they were getting to go back to the hotel and pop the corks and uh hang on to the belt for old Hollywood. So I, I enjoyed that segment as well.
0: My only it, issue with Hogan sometimes is he's like so convoluted in explaining this stuff. Like he, he takes all these weird twists and turns in his words. Um, And like, he's like, he almost talks before he knows what he wants to say. And then he says it again. Vince does it too a little bit uh, later on. I don't know. It's, it's a minor nitpick, but I'm not, not questioning Hogan's promo skills. So sometimes he's like going too fast and like, you can't follow exactly what he's saying. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean he he does uh kind of roll around the whole whole uh street to get to his destination, but I I enjoyed it. Um, also Patrick being, you know, like Anderson saying he wants no part of this, and Patrick coming out and say like, you know, this place needs an official, and I'm the man for the job. <laughs> I love that too. Like I thought mm-hmm. that was awesome as well.
3: Yeah, I love how Giant is dressed like a uh. A kid going to grown-up church for the first time. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Yeah, that's a pretty like infamous giant suit. I feel yeah. Like,
0: yeah uh,
3: I love uh, Hogan in the hallway. <laughs> felt like uh, like Joker in the '89 Batman. Like going yeah. through the hallway, spray yeah. painting stuff and defacing the property. It was really awesome. Um, I love. We have the official crowning of Brian Nobbs as a top tier Hogan crony. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: that's really awesome. Nobbs, by extension, I think is uh, you know maybe maybe down a couple branches, but uh, or sags, uh, not not too far off. It's cool that uh, Hollywood Hogan hands them the belt is like collateral, like here, take care of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, just such a, a sign of good faith. Like, Hey, like we're serious. We're not going to jump you guys at the hotel. Like, you know, we, we want to talk business with you. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool and that the camera caught up to see that interaction. Uh, Jimmy, you're looking good. You look good. <laughs> <Taking his vitamins. laughs> what an awesome, like 10 minutes. Yeah, this was on fire. I don't even know if it was 10 minutes, a <laughs> bit shorter, but good grief. So much is happening. And, um, uh, I, I love it. And Nick Patrick, too. Oh, man, yeah, I, this is my bag. I, I love this completely. Yeah. Him arguing with Teddy was
0: pretty good. I, I enjoyed that.
3: Get out of my way. I'm not <laughs> <in> here <way. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, Giants of the Ring. Hogan's at the announce table. Uh, he's wearing Savage's hat. Uh, they put it on Bischoff. He shook. And they said, what did you do with Savage? As they go back to the ring. Uh, our next match is Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on Six. <laughs> Hall gives some platitudes on Duggan as Nash makes an ugly joke. Bischoff says WCW is being held hostage day one. And Hall says, day one, where you been? <laughs> He's been held hostage for months now. Dibiase says, if you can't beat him, you got to join him. Out comes Big Ron Stud as Hall says there's a change in plans. <laughs> and they head back to the ring as Hogan greets Stud in the aisle and tells him to take care of Duggan for them. And yeah. then he just attacks him. He's like It's yeah. not. Even, it's like he doesn't even put the effort in to really fake it. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. You're with us. Sorry. And then he just punches him in the face. Um, so he told him to take care of Duggan for him, he attacks him. The NWO piece of mm. shit out of him. And then the NWO music fires up. And Hall says, it's the soundtrack to your favorite adult movie. Uh, <laughs> is it, like, I just assumed this was true as a kid that they got this from a porn. Because that was always the rumor, like, on the early internet days here. Is that true? Like, do you know? Is they, was this, they, they were watching porn? And, and um,
1: saw, I think saw? it's uh, an official, like,
0: custom theme. Okay. Yeah. They definitely make it sound like...
1: I mean, yeah. That
0: was the rumor. That was definitely the rumor at the time, was that it was from a porn. Um, But yeah, it sounds like it. It's clearly designed to sound like it's porn music.
3: Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Big Ron Stud getting jumped (laughs) is like top three things in wrestling that give me joy. Like, I could just... I could be in the worst mood, and I could just think about Ron Stud getting jumped (laughs) in the highway. Man, like hogan's hogan for the most part you know he's he's always working right but not here <laughs> him and nash they put the boots to Fran stud man yeah. they put it they put the dirty number on that dude
0: i just love that they think so little of him, they don't even really try to convince him. they're just like oh yeah beat him up here with us and they just beat the shit out of him right away um, oh man it's awesome right, so six comes out he's gonna take stud spot Duggan comes at him with the with the board. He cleans out the ring. Keeps six on the floor. Hogan's on commentary. He's talking shit. Patrick ties up Duggan. Six attacks from behind. Duggan battles back and beats six around with ease, hammering and tossing him. Six is just bouncing all over the place. The crowd fires up a USA champ. Hogan hints at talking to Duggan about joining as he's just bruising up six. Duggan sets up to finish. He hits six with the flying tackle, but Giant pulls Duggan out and slams him very gently on the floor. Um, I think they should have done something else instead of like this, because it looks kind of goofy. Uh, Giant throws Duggan inside and six covers to win. Uh, nothing here. Rare pin loss for Duggan, I guess. Uh, all all squash. Six seals to win. More storyline stuff. Um, I gave it just a star. Chad, for the squash. I, I just think the finish is, is kind of stupid. I think they could have done better there. With it. Hey,
1: yeah, I mean, I want a star and a half. I, I mean, I agree. This is... This... This makes Duggan look like a dummy, but I mean that's right. kind of the deal. Like it's just more of the finish but,
0: that move looks so soft, like just have just have Giant punch him in the face or
1: something, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I was annoyed when he was so distracted. Oh mm. overall, I mean it's for Six's debut, I I, I don't know. Like in Ring, it was it was eh. <laughs> these these matches like it, it's it's tough to say. Like, I mean, this this whole show is is tough for me because I mean, I'm definitely like an entering guy, but like, I mean, the matches don't matter. Like, they they just don't. So. No,
0: no, it's all a big segment.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see Duggan here. Um, like, I, I know this match is is Duggan, but like, for them harping so much on all the major stars of WCW being gone, I know Duggan is not you know uh, Bill Watts era Duggan anymore, but mm-hmm. Um, right. He's always kind of protected And presented pretty well for WCW So I was surprised to see him in this spot Like, why not have Like Scotty Riggs or you know, Somebody else of that ilk uh, In this spot, and also somebody who you could You know, sacrifice a little bit more To take a, a choke slam on the outside If that's the finish you want to do Because, I mean, it is what it is There, <laughs> There's no protecting it um, You know, so It, it did look bad With uh, Giant gently placing Old hacks all down, uh, you know, not cracking an egg. Um, I I don't know, like six two, for being like so cool, um, and having such like a different swagger about him from when he was in WWF. Like him picking up a win like this is kind of like, and eh, but at the same time, like it's kind of the point. Um, and later he is going to be pretty much destined as like when TBSI runs down and says they want all the gold, like. They, he mentions the cruiserweight title, so it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, Six's main focus is the cruiserweight title. So whatever gets him to that is is the main goal. But, yeah, um, I don't know, star and a half, but, man, I love it. Okay, we go back to the booth
0: where Bischoff now has a savage hat on. Uh, Hogan says he loves his life. Bischoff demands to know what they want from him, and Hogan says they're not going to quit until all demands are met. And they were promised by Trillionaire Ted he has enough money to buy whatever they want. Dibiase says if you can't lick them, you join them." We get our uh, weekly WCW Magazine ad with Sting. After break, Sting's music fires up. And Bischoff says Sting is in Japan. But then out comes Fake Sting. Hogan says, no, this is the real Sting. We started a fall brawl. Bischoff says WCW fell for it once, but never again. Fake Sting comes out to face his opponent, Bo Ledoux. Fake Sting gets in the ring. Nick Patrick's still a ref. Giant's still doing intros and patrolling ringside. Dibiase and Hogan are going on talking over and being unstoppable uh, as the fake Sting mimics all Sting's mannerisms. Bischoff says the NWO brought Ledoux with them and Dibiase mocks his physique. Hogan wonders that WCW is getting beat up over in Japan as well. Fake Sting easily works through Ledoux, pretty much aping Sting's offense as the crowd chants we want Sting. Just more bragging and showcasing as Fake Sting finishes with the Scorpion. DiBiase mentions an upcoming NWO Tag Team Championship Tournament that we'll see the first match tonight in a moment. Uh, Just a half star, Marcus. Any quick thoughts on this?
3: Uh, No, not really. I do like how... um... They're like, uh, oh, who's, who's Divyasi's like, who's this guy or whatever. <laughs> and Bishop's like, you brought him. <laughs> like, You guys, uh, you guys should know who he is. <laughs> um, I, it, I thought fake sting looked pretty good. Um, you know, I think there's an argument to be made for all of the fakes and, um, you know, bogus characters in wrestling. Fake sting's gotta be the top. Um, I, I rather do enjoy his work. And I thought he looked real good. You're looking good, saying his prayers and taking his vitamins as well. So, uh, you know, I'll go uh, a star and a half for uh, not-so-stinger, but uh, this is cool. What about you, Chad?
1: Yeah, a half star. I mean, it's a squash, but uh, I, I enjoyed this. I thought the fact that, like, they basically brought this jobber out to get crushed by a sting was humorous. Uh, once Sting's music fires up There's like a split second Where the crowd gets worked And thinks mm-hmm. it is the real Sting um, Fake Sting Slapping hands and doing the Sting Mannerisms, I, I don't know <laughs> I always enjoy that Like his uh, Stinger Splash and then yelling Is uh, always humorous uh, Hogan asking if WCW Is getting beat up in Japan too Was pretty funny <laughs> So, you
0: know over, Overall more, more fun fun stuff. All right. Bischoff begs them to back Vincent off, but they ignore him and talk more shit. Hogan says he wonders if Liz is attending to Savage's wounds, (laughs)
3: licking his wounds
0: (laughs) in Vegas. None of Savage's friends will interfere. It'll just be the two of them and Hogan will finish him off. We then get our main event, which is an opening round tag match of the NWO tag team tournament. As the outsiders take on high voltage, High voltage march out for this match. The race car is still in the aisle. Uh, the amazing French-Canadians head out next Is Hogan and DiBiase mock uh, PCO Carlouette's accent. A fan has a cheap-looking, savage WCW sign and six says that guy put a lot of work in that sign. <laughs> DiBiase says the outsiders are backstage warming up. But Bischoff feels there's a problem coming. Hogan jokes maybe they should spray paint Jacques' head too as they single Canada. <laughs> <laughs> this great ignorance of the Canadians, by the way. That is up to doing their fucking shtick no matter what. They don't care. Hall and Nash shunt out, and they are taking the Canadian spot for this match. Giant's still working these intros with all his gusto. Bischoff tries to leave again, but they don't let him. We get a rock, paper, scissors from Hall and Nash. Hall wins. He'll start against Kenny Chaos. DiBiase gives High Voltage credit for taking this match. Chaos tries, but Hall takes over and batters him and smacks him around. Bischoff wants the NWO to call this off, but what, you know, what more can they possibly want? Hogan says he was a WCW leader, but the fans couldn't get up to speed, so he did what he had to do and take things into their own hands. The NWO is the most watched organization of wrestling based on the ratings. DiBiase says this is their celebration because no one thought they could take over. The match is all Hall and Nash taking turns just wrecking high voltages. Hogan and DiBiase brag and torture Bischoff. Hulk says his kids, Nick and Brooke, told him they would have their NWO hats and shirts on and cheer every time he beats up Savage. Even though he, hits a gut, uh, he has guts, they don't like him. Hogan's beating up Savage wherever he's gone. Everyone knows wherever he's built empires and grew every organization he's been to. Anytime anyone deviates from him, he burns the forest. What It was just a tremendous rant by Hogan all through this. I'm not doing it any, nearly as much justice as it deserves. Amazing stuff. Hogan mocks Liz as the match drags on. A very long squash. Uh, Bischoff asks why this is still going beyond Nash's ego and asks why Patrick isn't stopping it. Hogan puts over the nasty, says they're businessmen and friends. He calls Mike Tyson a sissy. And the Outsiders finally finish the squash. Uh, two stars, Chad, for me. Uh, any thoughts on this match before we get to the closing segment?
1: Uh, was was a long squash. Um, I I went a star and three quarter, uh, but uh, but I mean there was some good stuff here. I I again think the reason it was so long though, is they, they you know they were counter programming what was on the other channel. Like, they knew what was happening on the other channel, mm-hmm. so they wanted to make sure Hall and Nash were out there. So, there was no mistaking that they're on this show. Like, those two guys are on this show. They're not going to be on Raw. So, that's probably why it got uh, drug out a little bit. I mean, uh, and and I do think high voltage. like, Like, I'll say this, too. Like, Duggan getting jobbed was a little bit surprising. But besides him, and even him, like, I mean, he shouldn't be... Mm-hmm. Used in a main event or upper mid car role by this point anyway, uh, and the other people like they're not necessarily squashing anybody. You know what I mean? Like I mean high right. voltage. If they get beat up, so what? Like they're that's the level you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's the level of who would be celebrating Marrow's tag team win on the other channel. But <laughs> yes. you know, but you know, it wasn't like this was Jericho. Or you know Ray Mysterio in an actual match getting squashed, or any of the the baby faces Eddie Guerrero. You know there's people on the roster that they could have kind of dominated in this hour, and it would have been eh, a little shaky booking wise. And none none of that happened here. Ron Stud, Jim Duggan, high voltage, all that's fine. And then they got their initial beat, uh, a beat down on Hogan. I mean, on Savage. So, overall, uh, you know, a a long squash, but still effective. It was still entertaining, starring three quarters.
3: Yeah, I have that in my notes, too, is that in the second hour, you know, whoever's call, whoever's call this was, they did a really good job picking the pawns for the second hour to be fed to the NWO. Um, the NWO is able to dominate, and this is gonna sound uh you know i don't know talking like out of both sides of my mouth but for as much fun as wcw or as uh, the nwo is having i don't know if they're necessarily like burying wcw like in the in the commentary and stuff like that they're very much talking about their character motivation and, and why they're doing what they're doing and that's uh-huh. because you know you know ted Ted wasn't fully on board with what Hogan had envisioned and what WCW could do when, you know, uh, Hogan had taken another company to the the top of the mountain and he was here to do it again with WCW, but people weren't getting on program with him, which I thought was a cool way to acknowledge. Like he was getting booed and uh, his booking was getting a little stale. Uh, And Hogan, like, I think this is where a lot of company invasion, NWO-esque storylines go wrong is that it's just guys, oh, we're here to destroy the company. Well, why? Like, why would you want to put yourself out of work? That makes no sense. Well, they cover that up here. And Hogan makes this very clear. Like, this is his final act. Like, he is planning to ride off into the sunset by making the NWO the most powerful force in professional wrestling, and then he's done. Uh, and and that's mentioned here in this, you know, very much extended squash. But uh, commentary really uses the extended squash to – Um, really set the table for the NWO, why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, A lot of, you know, possible logic flaws and, you know, holes in the logic are addressed uh, and taken care of here. So I I thought that was really fascinating. Um, Hall Nash, you know, given their, you know, reputations of not wanting to work and this and that, whatever, um, they really gave Kenny Chaos and uh, the other dude in high voltage, uh, you know, Robbie Rage, they... They gave them a little bit to work with, um, and I, I was really surprised, um, you know, just how much they they really gave them. Um, it's not like they're you know they're bumping around or anything crazy for them, but um, it's definitely more than you would think. Uh, and the match does tell a nice little story too. So yeah, um, you know, I'm always down for that. Um, I guess we'll get to the official closing of the show, but um, I don't know. Uh, I went two and a half. I thought this was like actually. Very good uh, extended squash. It highlights Hall and Nash's tag team capabilities, which we haven't really seen uh, to this point. Like an extended squash, um, and of course, commentary. Like most of that rating is to, to commentary. Like mm-hmm. I thought they just made the most out of uh, you know the match being the backdrop for you know all the all the you know I guess tables being set for uh, for Halloween Havoc and for the NWO moving forward.
0: All right. We're going to close things out with our final segment. Ted DiBiase says they want all the titles. The Outsiders and Giant celebrate. Hogan calls out Tyson yet again. Hogan says they have a very important business meeting with the Nasty Boys after Nitro when he hopes Savage is 100% for Vegas. Hogan puts over the new magazine with a big feature on them. Giant and the Outsiders get to the booth again, and we have a big celebration of ratings and success. We see clips of the attack on Savage from earlier as they have great commentary just overlaid, including Nash as Liz must be going out to dinner in that sequin dress. Hogan says they start filming his new movie Three Ninjas in a couple of weeks, and the whole NWO will join in. And Nash says he sag, so that works well. Nash is Giant, <laughs> the eight, eighth wonder of the world, and the shit talking takes us right off the air. As Hall says, and I think we put this angle to bed. Chad finally, he asked Giant if he's really Andre the Giant's son, and Giant just shakes his head and laughs. Uh, so that's a good payoff to our ongoing tracking of if Giant being Andre's son. Uh, <laughs> Just an amazing second hour. There's no other way to say it. It's peak wrestling brilliance. To have the NWO take over, WCW's gone, and just go full showcase and building heat. Great concept to sort of The heat is cranked all the way up, heading to Halloween Havoc. Uh, just fantastic stuff to wrap this show, Chad.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a uh, capper on everything, but uh, another diabolical Hogan promo. Bischoff says, like, you're just obsessed with Savage, which mm-hmm. it, it shows, it bleeds through, uh, and then kind of the pot shots by the Outsiders was uh, endearing, <laughs> like, you know, Nash wanting to be in Three Ninjas, and, uh, you know, the, the had to get that line in, too, because he starts saying it, and then they say something else, <laughs> right. and he's like, I gotta know something. Is uh, Andre really your dad? And just, uh, I mean, what what a way to uh, to uh, sign off here.
0: I mean, they were all legitimately funny the whole time, like the the jokes, the one liners. Some of them were insider, but they weren't too snarky or smarky, you know, it was like, if you know, you know, kind of stuff. But they wasn't like hammering it home. Um, It was like a nice balance of a wink, wink, nod, nod for a lot of fans. Uh, But if you weren't in the know on some stuff, you still got something out of it and knew they were just kind of cutting it up and being assholes
3: yeah um they're all on fire closing out the show uh bischoff you know possibly fainting uh being in distress hogan uh getting his lines in again building towards halloween havoc like i want to go back and and watch halloween havoc Uh 96 and just jump forward to it um you know to see how that plays out um also the fact that yeah like nobody helps savage nobody's there like you know, I know much, much later uh, we're going to get to Savage, uh, you know, and his playing with the N.W.O. So, like, man, like that kind of starts here. Um, yeah, a, a lot happening, a lot going down. Um, and I made a huge note as well of uh, I knew it was coming up of Hall uh, asking Giant if uh, Andre is really your dad. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that we can put that to bed.
0: All right, let's get to our awards to wrap this up. Match of the night, surprisingly enough, Chris Jericho versus Mike Inas for me. Guys, the same. Agree. All right, most best moment. I mean, I don't even know. I just want the attack on Savage. <laughs> I guess yeah. really the whole last forty-five minutes, but
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's uh it's a, like a bottle episode, uh, the second hour. But uh, I'm I'm fine going with the attack on Savage to set everything off.
3: Uh, just for my giggles It's, it's, it's Ron Stud getting beat up But uh, <laughs> that's, that's So poor, funny Poor that's Ron
1: so Studd funny. Oh man uh, Also a turnbuckle championship <laughs>
0: Wrestling legend So no <laughs> man the stalker <laughs> All right, MVP I, I mean I just went the NWO I, I mean I don't know how you parse it out beyond that
1: Yeah I mean I, I would lean Hogan But um, I, I think
3: the
0: whole nwo was they were all great for sure
3: yeah group award seems fitting
0: all right i didn't know any of the commentary lines i mean the whole freaking last hour was this week we pretty much nailed it all
1: (laughs) yeah i think uh i think you actually mentioned them all in your uh when you talked about i mean i did love larry saying silver medalist he's a loser he couldn't even win gold (laughs) that was good Uh, Nash saying two things in life worth watching, Alabama football and NASCAR racing. I know a lot of people that would agree with that, uh, sadly. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the big one's Hall. Uh, I got to know something, is Andre really your dad? Like, that that's just, I mean, because that's something that's been going on for years. And, again, for them to, like, blow it
0: off the way they did was uh,
1: humorous.
0: Um. All right. Uh, I. I mean, shockingly enough, there's really no shots fired at all through this. I mean, there are, but not really.
1: Yeah. I mean, are you gonna say Vincent or no? I guess. Just because yeah, he's right. a
0: character. I'll, 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 yeah, I guess. But um, uh debuts were Vincent and Bo LeDoux. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Kyle Petty counts. You count I one? don't.
1: Well, we didn't actually see him, and I
0: don't know if we'll see Bo again either. But yeah, we'll, right, see. we'll put it all down. Mm-hmm. Uh dropped angles i'm going I, I mean do we consider giant as Andre Sun dropped yeah or they i think that's it? it that's it yeah but is it really dropped if it ends they wrapped it
1: yeah i mean they didn't they they i guess concluded that right. it was not right? yeah. yeah
0: so it's not really dropped okay uh, all right final grade um I, I, like talking through it feels like i'm low but i just the first hour to me was, was shaky. Like we didn't really have, I, I think the lack of the WCW guys did hurt in ways. Um, and, and a lot of those matches didn't really connect uh, outside of the Jericho Enos to me. I, I didn't, I couldn't get into the tag, although the finish was wonky. Uh, so I ended up going on seven and a half out of 10. And a lot of that is carried in the back end of that 45 minutes, probably a little low. I could maybe be swayed depending on who you guys, how you guys go. But what do you guys have? I went eight.
1: I mean, I I think it's a great episode. I think it's tough to uh, go maybe beyond that when there's not like a great match. I mean, that may be like my uh, in-ring bias showing. But as far as a concept, I mean, this has happened three times now where you had the lawn dart episode. Uh, you had the giant turn episode just like three weeks before this, the 9-2 Nitro, and then this Nitro, like, those three Nitros in the past mm, 10 weeks of television are mm-hmm. some of the most, like, revolutionary wrestling television programs that in history up to that point, and I mean, they've done three of them. Like I mean, you take like the best Memphis episodes, and there's been some great chaotic Memphis wrestling. Um, you know, you got the uh, the mid South where Ted DiBiase turns face. You know, mm. with Ric Flair. Like there's some there's some great episodes that are angle driven, like this one is. But to string together, and and that's not even included. I mean, the other Nitros have been at worst good like and so i mean the stuff surrounding it's been good too i I mean this is just a slam dunk all-time run it really is i mean you watch these episodes 26 years or whatever later and They're entertaining. I mean, as we're talking right now, Ron Studd just walked out on his entranceway on my screen and (laughs) blocked by Hogan. I mean, it's it's just, it's it's timeless, classic, great wrestling. Um, And just amazing angles, big stars, stuff coming together. Um, It's incredible. So, yeah, uh, eight out of ten, great show.
3: Yeah. um, Hour one. I don't know, like, if this was war, is it replacement level? Is it below? It's probably mm-hmm. below for what Nitro has been. But it, it very much uh, played into the episodic nature of Nitro. And it's really what wrestling television should be. They told you, uh, you know, a week ago, hey, top stars aren't going to be here. Um, and they they presented hour one like so. Um, it did not have a lot of top stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really carried by the tag team title match. You know, um, NWO takes over... For the complete second hour um i went eight and a half um you know maybe on a different day i could go 10 out of 10. um but yeah it, you don't watch a show necessarily for the matches um Chad, i'm glad you pointed out wcw has now done this three times uh taking risks with the nwo taking over the show making good on their promise um and it makes for really entertaining television and it's hard to have a good babyface comeback uh, in any story if they're not knocked down and we're seeing WCW be knocked down and we're not seeing their comeback be rushed at all. Um, and there can be arguments to be made, you know, did they wait too long? Should there have been more, uh, you know, hope spots in there uh, in the long-term story for WCW possibly, but for where we're at now in the NWO story, um, I still think they're pitching a perfect game, And it's amazing that we've seen this template, you know, 26 years ago and the risks that WCW takes uh, committing whole episodes to tell this story and making it entertaining television. And for every nexus we've had, for every bullet club invasion we've had, um, you name the stable, no company has committed this kind of programming and the kind of resources to telling a story. And creating this sense of of dire need and desperation um, like the NWO has here. And it, it really is like fascinating to me um, that it hasn't been replicated to this extent. Um, so, yeah, for that, it's it's eight and a half. It's my favorite episode of Nitro. I could probably quote, quote it word for word. Uh, JT, you did a wonderful job <laughs> catching all the commentary lines. Uh, and Chad, what a surprise that you were here, uh, for my favorite Nitro, uh, did not expect that. So that was really cool. Um, you was know, it...
1: I'll, I'll say, I, I think it's more memorable watching.
3: Okay. That was going to be my question there.
1: Yeah. Like, and, and a lot has to do with my mindset too. Like, I mean, I was 10, so I can still remember mm-hmm. a few things, but not like it's, it's, it's crazy that. Uh, this is the last Nitro I'm at before the January 5th, 1998 Nitro at the Georgia Dome. And, like, I can remember that one much more vividly. Uh, and then, of course, like, July 6th, ninety eight, Wait, you know, that's a seminal moment in my life, much less, like, wrestling fandom. Um, but this one, like, I remember being there, but it's more like I remember Nash's, like, red outfit like his uh red uh suit and how tall he looked when he came like ringside uh and i remember like savage and greg valentine my dad marked out for greg valentine um this is also i know they uh had the diamond dallas page uh like diamond shirt that they were selling i know i've referenced that before but that was happening um, Because I know someone in our crew bought that. So that was like a tip off to me that he was gaining some momentum. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like rewatching this one, it's one that like, I recall it like, now more on TV than being there live in of itself. Like, I mean, I, I just didn't have the capacity as a 10 year old to say like, oh, this is a great episode of television, I was actually probably pissed that, like, Sting wasn't there, or Ric Flair wasn't there, to Mm -hmm. be honest,
0: so. All right, let's do our combo awards, uh, and then we can hit it here tonight. Uh, I think think we all agree Nitro was the best show.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, Best match, show? Are we going Mero Farouk? I think Mero Farouk wins
1: on our average, because you had three and a quarter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes.
0: All right, best segment, uh, I, NWO Attacking Savage.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's tough because, like, Ross's promo is very memorable. Right. But that's three minutes, and comparing it to, like, 45 minutes of sustained, it's it's tough. But I think you got to give a nod to NWO.
0: Yeah. I think so. I mean, the Ross thing, it's memorable. It really, in essence, doesn't go anywhere. And
1: in some ways,
0: it's memorable for the wrong reasons. But yeah. Uh, better commentary, obviously, is Nitro, which it's a tough one for Raw because I feel like they actually were pretty good on that night. Um, but Nitro just, with the with the Outsiders stuff, it's not even close, even with the Austin piece in there.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, this was tough because, like, King was good. I mean, we've mentioned mm-hmm. that before. Like, uh, Raw's certainly gotten better since they went to the Kelly-King-JR uh, yeah. threesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, Nitro
0: was just a juggernaut. All right. And uh, Star of the Night? Uh, have we just gone NWO? Yeah, I think,
1: go, I think just go I think NWO. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was... This may be, like, the most complete they feel from mm-hmm. member one through, like, eight. I mean, everybody here served a role and the big guys were interacting with everyone, which we'll see when that stops too. you know, like where you have, oh, like Dennis Rodman's going to be with us and he's getting out of the limo. Well, we got to only make the eighteen, you know, be, right. be the ones in the picture, not, you know, Michael Wall Street or whatever.
0: Yeah, and I think it's coming to, we're not quite there yet, but we're, um. I feel like in the coming weeks we're gonna to start to see more and more of the crowd constantly being distracted and looking to the aisle and stuff. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's gonna start taking over some of these shows soon too. So I'm really curious what the tipping point is when the honeymoon ends for the NWO, because um, like everything like Marcus said is kind a perfect game. Stuff for,
1: like, yeah, that's. I mean, it. I think that's the distinction. Like, I can't. I couldn't. It's so tough because I mean, eventually, like. I mean, because you will say, like, I mean, you know, like, when I think, like, should, when should NWO, like, when's it ran its course? Like, I would say, oh, Star 97, like, just mm-hmm. right now. But, I mean, they're obviously going to have misses from now until oh, then. Oh, yeah. But it's like, when, that'll be the first, like, when do we think, like, okay, like, not everything is perfect. Right. um and then that's gonna that's on our end that's gonna be interesting for us to evaluate because we're gonna have to recalibrate that mm-hmm.
2: because yeah i mean
1: like what we've talked about now uh, uh, again like we're now months in and there's not much fault you can give it means
0: from from memorial day on like,
1: it has been yeah, pretty perfect yeah.
0: All right, Marcus, thanks for joining us. Appreciate uh, you popping in oh, here for a big night. Oh, right. Ratings. So, uh,
1: yeah, so uh, it's Nitro, but we actually all actually down. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy off of a pay-per-view. It's, it's, it's negligible, but it went from a 2-1 to a 2. Two's a very low rating. It equals the lowest rating they've had since we've started. So they're, they're they're kind of at the pits. I mean, Nitro was strong. It's three four. They had been at a three seven the past couple weeks, but still, you know, three four versus two. They're they're dominating.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. So that's that. We'll be back in two weeks' time. We will be tackling. Uh, the next installment of television and that'll yes. be the 930 Raw and 930 Nitro as we inch toward, uh, believe it or not actually we have a F pay-per-view before WCW so we'll be doing Buried Alive it's coming up sooner than Halloween Havoc so we get a lot of TV left for Halloween Havoc we still have four Nitros so a lot of work to get through uh, to get there, so we'll see how they sustain uh, again Marcus, thank you for joining us uh, Chad, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks Smell the Napalm, everyone take care hey!